Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox. My guest today is a little different to usual. He isn't a surveyor. He doesn't work in our industry, but he uses our technology for his latest venture. He actually comes from an insurance background of 20 years. Now, why do I have this guest on my show, you may think? Well, my guest, Thomas Hebert, is a paleontologist from Wisconsin. He is the founder and director of Earth Sciences Foundation Incorporated, a not-for-profit organisation. Recently a guest on the Geoholics podcast, Tom is using his newfound friendships to gain momentum in his dream of working on research in Earth Sciences and creating an environment to allow for Earth Sciences, Earth Sciences, it's a bit of a mouthful there, to be available to everyone, to be involved and to learn. With strong GIS component to his work, Thomas sits on the outskirts of our industry in the spatial sector. He enjoys most things outdoors and in his spare time, he likes fishing, exploring, working with young people, listening to people talk about their vision and where they want to go and working out how he can help them. Oh, and he also likes digging for dinosaurs. He has been working in paleontology for 10 summers and returned to school last year. Hi, Tom, and thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm just uh, extremely humble, humbled and grateful to even have the opportunity to talk and uh, excited to kind of share what we do. And hmm. um, hopefully it's a gateway that we can get more people into the geospatial world and surveying and making maps. And so yes. we'll see what happens. So Yes, I know. And like we've only known each other for, oh, what, a few weeks maybe. <laughs> Yeah, a few weeks or a month, somewhere in there, yeah, because I'm like trying that. to think. However long it's I was been on the Geoholics you, yeah. in, yeah. I was in the Geoholics on the 21st of December, so. Um, oh, yeah, a month. So, so yeah, it's been about just about a month exactly, yes. so. Um, yes. So, isn't it amazing how you can meet people who have similar interests or have similar passions through the internet? It's amazing. It's to me, it's just absolutely amazing the ability that we have to connect as a people now that we've never had before. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you look at us, I'm I'm sitting in a three degree Fahrenheit frozen tundra of Wisconsin, (laughs) um, talking to you in Australia right now, and it's it's instantaneous. It's not, you know, oh, I'll send you an email and then you send it back. I mean, when email first started, we were like, holy cow, this is awesome. And now we're like, you know, now we send in some messages and people are looking at their screen going, well, why haven't you opened and, re- and answered me yet? It, oh, that's I sent it to you already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so it is. And, you know, I love the opportunities that are out there to meet um, people like you that are passionate about something that's very close to what I do, but is very different at the same time. And how can we meld those words, worlds mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. And, and work for the common good? Because, you know we're all in this together. I don't care where you live. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your background is. We're all in this together. And if we don't start looking at collaborating across different fields of study, whether it's geospatial and surveying or paleontology or geology or botany, I I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. If we don't start talking and communicating and collaborating together and meshing these together, we're never going to get that complete picture of what our world was, is, and where it's going in order to address any issues that are coming up. 
Yeah, so true. I mean, we're all using the same technology, aren't we? Why aren't we working together? Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys are the experts. I mean, you know, I I laugh because I get questions about, you know, GNSS equipment and GPS and geospatial and ArcGIS. And I'm just like, uh, I dig dinosaurs. Um, (laughs) You know, I I know enough about this equipment to make it do what I want it to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I'm learning more and I'm, I've learned that I don't know a lot. And, but that's why I reach out to people like you and go, you guys are the experts. This is what I want to do. And the amazing thing is, is I have the best hook in the world. I dig dinosaurs and people are like, that's freaking awesome. Can we go? Very cool. <laughs> if, you, if you come and help me with the mapping and the surveying equipment, yeah, I'll take you out digging all day. Come on. I don't have to run the equipment then. Let's go. Um, and so. When are we going? <laughs> I, as soon as you find me a dig site in Australia, mm-hmm. I will be on the next flight down. You guys have some of the okay. biggest, coolest dinosaurs down there. I'll have to get onto that for you. (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, just start throwing it out there. Who knows? Maybe one of your, you know, I'll throw it out there. Uh, I'm not ashamed of it. You know, if there's anyone listening and you have something, please reach out to Peter. Let her know. She'll get a hold of me and we will Mm -hmm. figure it out and come down and make you famous in Australia mapping out dinosaurs. So Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So what attracted you to dinosaurs? Uh, It's a funny story. Um, It was 2012 and I was going through a horrible divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, at the time, my daughter, uh, Emma, was eight years old. And my oldest daughter, Samantha, was, uh uh-oh, think brain. She's 26 now. So whatever that was, I... I'm a bad dad. Um, was she 17? Yeah. 17, I, I, I wanted to say 17, but I thought she was older mm-hmm. than that. But um, it, it was really hard on both of them. And mm-hmm. and for any of the, anybody's ever gone through a divorce, it's not good for anybody, but it's really, really hard on kids. And the only ones yeah. who come out winning are the lawyers. Oh. Um, so, you know, it was really hard on them when I, I was at a place in my life where, you know, um, I'm like, all right, you know what? This summer, you each get one week anything you want to do with dad, I don't care what it is. I, I honestly put no limitations on it, not even a dollar figure limit on it. I don't care. Let's just go and have some fun and live Quality life time. and, and forget about all this other garbage. Yeah. Um, and so my oldest daughter is a huge country music fan. She loves Keith Urban. You know, who doesn't? <laughs> <Good> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that hair? um, it, it, it's the hair, it's the good looks, it's the, you can sing, you can dance. It's like, damn, that shouldn't be allowed anywhere to be that talented and that good looking. Um, so I gave Life up the good looks just to be talented. It, it is. So, you know, uh, when I was asked, I gave up the good looks to have talent. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, so there's a local music festival by us that it, it's a four day drinking country music festival. And, um, She's like, I want to go to that. And I'm not a country music fan. And I'm like, all right. I said anything. I guess I'm going <laughs> to suck it. it up and let's go. Um, and by the time it was done, we had so much fun. I was wearing cowboy no. boots and cowboy hat. And we were, you know, it was just a great time. And then, you know, my youngest one, Emma looks and she goes, I want to go dig dinosaurs. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I, I don't know what to do. She loved dinosaurs at the I time. Mean, I mean, she just loved them. Um, and she's a little artist and would draw them all the time. And, um, and so I fired up the old Google machine and found a guy mm-hmm. out in South Dakota that would take you out and let you dig. 
And uh, so Emma and I loaded up the car and drove out there and spent a week out in the Black Hills of South Dakota. We went to, you know, we did the tourist things. We went to Mount Rushmore and to the Crazy Horse and went through the mountains and and um, it, and uh, went out and, and dug dinosaurs and absolutely fell in love with it. It was truly one of the most fun and exhilarating things I've probably ever done because, you know, you're out there and you literally got like a, a three inch cheap throwaway paintbrush, uh, a screwdriver, a bottle of glue and a scalpel. And you're literally just brushing like you're painting the wall of dirt. You're literally just brushing the dirt until you see something and then you slow down and then you get the scalpels out. You start working at it. And it's just so exciting because when you first see the edge of it, you're like, oh, oh, what's this going to be? You know, and I've turned into such a nerd now that I get excited when I see geodetic markers now out. And I'm like, oh, let's go look at the date on that survey marker over there. Let's see when that was put <laughs> in the ground. And, you know, I, I posted one recently, the one up on top of the um, Deer's Ears Butte out in South Dakota was put up there in 1971. And that will forever be in my mind because it was put in 1971. There we were in 2021 using that marker to create something it? that those people 50 years ago had no idea would ever exist. And so it's got me passionate about learning more about that. And Mm -hmm. because I honestly never knew those things were out there. And now it's like, Mm -hmm. these are everywhere and they're so cool. And they've got a story to tell. And I I could go on because they they left artifacts. I mean, there was stuff up there from the the drilling that they did into the rock to put the marker in the rock. And there were still parts of the equipment up there from when they did this 50 years ago that nobody's been up there since. And I'm just like, this is. And so. Anyway, I, I absolutely fell in love with it, kept going back every summer. Um, and uh, finally, about a year and a half ago, I looked at my my new wife um, and said, you know, I, I'm really sick of insurance and I really love digging. And I think I'm going to get out of business and go back to school and I'm going to go dig dinosaurs for the rest of my life. And I was terrified of what I was going to get for an answer because, you know, I had a successful business and we were making good money and life was good. And we were going to go from a nice income to no income because I'm going back to school. Mm -hmm. I was waiting to hear, are you out of your mind? (laughs) And uh, um, she looked at me, she says, it's about time. She goes, you are so much peace out there and you love it. And you're so passionate about it. And the way you work with everyone. And, you know, we take kids out that are eight, 10, 12 years old and let them dig on these things. And it's a lot of fun for me. And so I went back to school and I'm pursuing my geology. Uh, well, it was a geology and field biology uh, double major, but now I'm going to switch it and go geology and then get a GIS major with it. Um, okay, cool. with some of the stuff that I started doing. Mm-hmm. Um I don't want to take all the thunder right away. Let's build a little suspense of why the dinosaur guy's on the show. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so that's what really got me into it. And, and now I'm just, mm. it's so much fun and it's so exciting. And that moment of discovery, I would probably equate it to something in your field as when you finally get the data into the map and you're seeing what it actually looks like for the first time of boom, there it is. And you're just like, that's awesome. It worked. Um, you know, it's that same kind of just euphoric feeling of, um, you know, and nobody's ever done this before. And you're like holding this T-Rex tooth in your hand going, I'm the first person in the world to ever hold or touch this. It, it, it's truly one of those moments in time where it makes you realize just how tiny and small we really are. Yeah. 
and makes you, at least for me, makes me extremely grateful for the opportunities that I have because most people will never get that chance to have that kind of history. I mean, you, you look around and people talk about history like, oh, you know, oh, well, boy, 50 years ago is a long time ago. This tooth I'm holding in my hands is 65 million years old. Yeah, I, mean, so, I was always yeah. interested in archaeology when I was at school and ancient history and all that kind of stuff. Never really got to the dinosaur periods, but um, I always found that really interesting. Oh, I, I'm the same way. When I went to college the first time back in 1995, um, I actually was going as a Showing history major. <laughs> That's all right. I'm, a, I'm an old man. <laughs> I got to throw it out there because I got to get more young people involved because in a couple of years, I'm going to be too old to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to need somebody else to do it for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually went for a history major and um, I'm actually considering uh, once I'm done with this degree of going back and actually getting a degree in archaeology as well, because of Gosh. what I've done with the geospatial thing with dinosaurs, I, I can apply that over to archaeology really easy. Yes. And it's already being done. It's not anything new in archaeology, mm. but it's to me, it's fascinating. And it's it's unbelievable the amount of data that we can get out of using equipment that isn't designed, that its initial conception wasn't, oh, let's go map dinosaurs with this. No, it was, okay, let's, you know, subdivide city lots and measure this out. And how do we plan this and where roads mm. go and, and, and all of this stuff. So, um, yeah, it'll be just interesting to see where it all goes and and uh, how far this technology can take us. Because every time I turn around, it's some new technology I'm reading about or, or something new. I'm like, oh, we should put that in the map. That'd be kind of cool. Um, so, yeah. So where? So you like you're going to be creating this map, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Where where are some of the interesting places that you have actually dug at? Oh, I've dug up, uh, most of the work I've done this to this point has been in what's called the Hell Creek Formation out in the western interior of the United States, mm-hmm. um, through Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming, and South Dakota. Um, I'd pick a favorite spot to dig, but I love them all, because um, each one of them is so different. Different? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. and... You know, I laugh. I was out digging on a, a ranch in Montana last summer, um, and I'd never been there before. And I contacted the landowner about if he would allow me out there to look and see if he has anything um, based on geologic maps and that he should. Um, and nobody had ever really been out there to look. And okay. so I, I was out wandering around his 40,000 acre ranch in the middle of Montana um, by myself. Um, don't do that, by the way. Very dangerous. Um, <laughs> if I had got hurt out there, nobody would have had a clue where it was. I had no cell yeah. phone signal for three days. Oh, you know, my wife, my wife is very trusting. She's like, oh, if I don't hear from you, I'm just assuming everything's fine. Cause I'm sure if you died, somebody would find you. And I'm like, <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, you know, when I was on this ranch, I was, I was 60 miles from the closest town. Um, there wasn't a house anywhere near this ranch. Um, but I'm out there and I'm wandering around and I'm coming up through this canyon and there's this, this uh, cliff of really hard compacted sandstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and underneath it was a, a softer sandstone that had eroded away. And 
I don't know why, but I felt compelled just to kind of go over there and look. So I went over and looked, and I look underneath, and here's a dinosaur bone sticking out underneath this big no block way. of sandstone. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's maybe a 18 inches of, you know, uh, a space between this giant, I mean, I tried to break, I had a rock chisel and a rock hammer, and I'm trying to bust the sandstone up that's above it. it I'm not even putting a dent in it. And I'm like, oh, that bone's coming out. I've seen it now. It's coming home. It's coming out of there somehow. And so, you know, I'm starting to clear stuff away and clear stuff away. And I'm literally crawling underneath this cliff that, and I'm working, I'm digging this fossil out. I'm working around it and, and you know, putting glue on it and making sure we keep it together and, and doing what we do. And, you know, I stopped and I got out of the hole for a second and I, sat there and I just kind of looked around and I go, man, I feel sorry for the people that work in cubicles right now. This is the coolest office ever. Mm-hmm. And it's moments like that. And then it, it's, you know, then I dove back into the hole and I finished getting it out and then I am leaving. And I, you know, on my way home, I finally called my wife and told her about, it. she's like, you did what? I'm like, yeah. She's like, what if that would have fell on you? And I said, I'd have died right there. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, nobody would have known where you were at. And I said, well, that's true. I said, but you know, it was there. And if I didn't get it, that, you know, it was going to weather and get eroded and it was going to get ruined and lose it forever. And who knows, it could have been a one of a kind specimen that's never been seen before from a new species. So I, you know, as a scientist, I have an obligation to get it out. So what was it? What kind of dinosaur was it? Uh, It was actually the pubis bone from a theropod, which is a relative of uh, T-Rexes and and raptors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not sure yet. Um, waiting on some definitive um, answers from some other paleontologists I work with. We're looking at it. Um, so it is kind of a one of a kind thing. It's not very common, um, but it's really cool because, you know, they're, they're easily, you can easily identify them generally because they're hollow. Um, okay. Because the, the theropods were the predecessors of modern birds. At least that's what we're, we're going with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the evidence points in that direction. I don't want to throw any controversy out there that i don't believe that now the evidence leads us in that direction um you know because it's funny because t-rex is actually more closely related to birds than it is to other dinosaurs um which is funny and so uh yeah so it's just um it's probably one of the coolest things i've ever found um i had another one last summer satellite do you not have satellite phones oh we do um i don't have one maybe you need one of those (laughs) I'm trying to convince my university to get me one, but, you know, (laughs) I'm trying to think of a good analogy and I really don't have one that's, you know, suitable for all audiences. It's, it's, you know, they're just, they're very close fisted on everything and don't, it's just like, really, Uh, you can get a satellite phone for like $3,000. It's not a ton of money. Okay. Let's be honest about it. Out of all the equipment that I'm going to get and use out in the field, this is probably the cheapest piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm And so, but yeah, I have, uh, my wife is actually forcing me to get one myself this summer to have, um, so she can get a hold of me. Um, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> if she, I wish she was sitting here because I'd still make fun of her when she was here and she would laugh about it. Um, it's what keeps our marriage working is that I'm well, for three say, or four months must, out of the year. She must enjoy the, 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 the time away, the peace. <laughs> She does. And actually, you know, her and my kids actually came out usually for a couple of weeks in the summer and join me nice. and we go on a dig site together and dig mm-hmm. stuff up. And, and then we go for things and we go, you know, the kids want to go see Devil's Tower or go swimming or, and I take a few days off and, and, uh, you know, it's really easy for me 
to get really wrapped up in my world and because I love being out there so much. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's like I tell people every day when we go digging is, you know, one of the last things I say before I walk down into the quarry where we're digging is, is all right, let's go change history today. Because who knows what you're going to find? I have no idea. And if you could yeah. find something that literally changes our entire perspective of history today. I have no idea what's in that hill. That's so true. So and true. so it's easy for me to get caught up in that going, oh, just one more brushstroke and maybe I'll see something. And then, oh, mm-hmm. oh, it wasn't that one. Maybe it was the next one. And maybe it was the next one. And the next <laughs> thing I know, it's 25,387,000 brushstrokes later. And there it is. I found it. Now I got to stay. It's dark out. I don't care. Give me a headlamp. I'm staying right here. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it, it's horribly addictive. It really is. Um, well, so and we will absolutely maybe get I you. I shouldn't be coming out with you then. <laughs> Why is that? Oh. We'll sit out there all night. We'll dig. We'll laugh. We'll cry. We'll have a good time. <laughs> no, it you sounds like fun. It, it, sound it like is. Fun. All right. So... Um, we were talking now, dream, earlier. dream locations are where I want to dig. Yeah, oh, that's well, another that's, fun. That, that's that was my next question. Is like, oh, <laughs> where, where is it that you do want to travel to to dig? Like, I know you said there's so many places, but there must be. There are, I mean, there's some that are like really high on my bucket list. Um, South America would be fantastic, Argentina, Chile. Um, they have huge dinosaurs down. I mean, huge really? things is, I mean, you're digging up things that have a vertebrae that are six feet long. I mean, they're, wow. they're ver- one vertebrae is bigger than I am tall and oh, that's just cool and exciting. And I want to work mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia has got some amazing specimens, um, and they're finding new stuff every day down there. It's just awesome. What's going on there right now. Uh, China is just, you know, it, it, not only are they the, the king of the world and rare earth elements, they're the king of the world and dinosaurs too. I mean, they find new species almost. It seems like lately it's been like every month they're coming out with some new wow, species that they're really? finding. Uh, well, like last year, I think we found 45 new species across the planet of dinosaurs, um, which is about average for the last 10 years. It's been averaging right around 43, 44, 45 di- new species of dinosaurs that we're finding every year. Um so you just that would don't be hear that. Awesome. You, you don't hear about it. No, no, I mean you're hearing about it now. Everybody's seen the reports of the ichthyosaur that they found in England now. Um, Maybe no, I just don't watch the news. <laughs> oh no, it's if you've been on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, I don't care where it is. Um, there's been pictures of this giant. They call it the the Rutland dragon, um, and it's it's massive. I mean, it's heads as big as a human. Is and um, it's really cool that they've got that there. And then there's some really cool stuff coming out of North Dakota that, um, you know, a friend of mine just published a paper uh, about um, through what he's found in North Dakota at a site there. He actually uh, determined the season of the year when the asteroid hit that killed all the dinosaurs. Oh, Wow. And um, so there's stuff like that going on all the time. And there's so much other stuff that's going on that if I spoke about it, I'd get be excommunicated from the world of paleontology. So I can't talk about it right now. <laughs> um, and so it's just a really little exciting secrets. time. Yeah. Little secrets, you, me, and a million people. Um, 
So it, it is. It's really exciting. And with the advances in technology, it's it's. I'm really excited to see see what the future holds and what's yeah. found in other places. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just read one the other day that in Russia, um, they found a perfectly preserved baby horse from the Ice Age with fur and everything on it. Gosh. I mean, it's all intact, uh, including Amazing. including DNA. So we can actually wow. clone many horses from the Ice Age again. Um, I mean, there's South Korea's tried to, you know, clone the uh, woolly mammoth. Um, they actually extracted DNA from a mammoth and impregnated an elephant trying to get a mammoth to come back. And so mm-hmm. it's really interesting and slightly terrifying at the same time of where it could go. And and we really need to start having really strong conversations about our ethical responsibility. You know, yeah. some things are extinct because they should be. Should be. <laughs> I don't want okay. T-Rex walking around right now. Um, <laughs> no, I'd be no, terrified. No. So, you know, if it, those are probably my biggest places, China, Australia, South mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I, w- I wouldn't turn down a chance to dig really anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and not just dinosaurs. I, um, I'm working on a project actually with the Science Museum of Minnesota uh, here in the States where we're going to go out and work on uh, exhuming and mapping an Ice Age bison uh, oh, wow. location in Minnesota to put in a museum on display. And, and so, um, dinosaurs are my passion, but I'll work on anything. Cause I, I love the discovery and I love the excitement of that. And, um, I, I really love watching the other people that are working with me and their excitement. And it, it's a lot of fun, um, mm-hmm. just seeing people getting passionate about something, about um, something yeah. and it's something to do with our earth. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just nice. feels like that pa- that passion gets kind of squished at school. I don't know why they do it, but they kind of just like squish it. They get you excited for a minute, and then they're like, "Here you go." Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a gentleman reach out to me and ask about what he could do with his ninth grade students in regards to earth sciences. And I said, "Talk to them not just about the science, but talk to them about careers involving that science." Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you talk about. That's what we're trying to do is is make things a little bit more exciting and and how how our technologies work in the real life and the, the fun things that you can do with it to try and grab them and say, look, you can be a surveyor or a GIS specialist or, you know, spatial specialist or whatever and you get to use this equipment and you can, you know, laser scan and drones and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these are the types of things you can do. So it's not just working on boundaries and that's all you do kind of thing. There's so many other aspects to our, to our industry and profession that the world. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's one of the things that I think is really missing is in the geospatial world, we've got a great story to tell there. And, you know, we've got these kids that are born with, you know, iPads in their hands when they come out of the womb and, and they're, they're all about technology. And why the hell aren't we telling that story about, your fascination with technology, come here, let me show you what you can mm-hmm. do with that. Exactly. It's not just, oh, I'm going to develop the next video game or I'm going to be the next TikTok viral star or no, it's look at what you can do here. And by creating this, you're changing all these lives down the road that you're never even going to know about. People are going to be looking at what you're creating right now forever, where your little TikTok video is going to be gone in 20 minutes when the next viral person puts <laughs> another one up, you know? Yes. 
this is something that's going to last beyond you um and your ability to creatively think and like i said with with like gis it's every day i turn around there's some new coding that's coming in to allow us to manipulate a map and get it to do something more than what it did yesterday and it's like it's a great story you know it, it, and why we're not using that to to get more young people involved and and, and pick their brains because these young people know how to work with this technology. They've been doing it since day one where old guys like me, it's, you know. Me too. <laughs> Makes me feel old. <laughs> oh, no, I had three yeah. interns last year and uh, two of them were uh, truly some of the most amazing young people I've ever mm. had the fortune of being around. Extremely intelligent, ambitious, motivated, want to work willing to take on a task, willing to learn new things. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an absolute honor and privilege for me to be able to work with them and learn from them um, on that. And so I, I don't want to down talk our, our young people. I think that this they next just, generation, well, it's just, they have the capacity to change the world. They have all the mm -hmm. technology at their disposal, mm -hmm. but nobody's teaching them how to use it properly, how to channel it, how to challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. Um and it's okay to be ambitious and it's okay to be assertive and it's okay to go after things. Um, it's like we've made it taboo for, oh, well, don't dream too big and don't think too large and don't have any really big goals. And um, I don't know. And that, and I think the whole instant gratification of society as a whole of it, it, oh, it's yeah. hard for them to go you know, it's like the foundation, you know, the foundation I started is, is, is it going to change the world tomorrow? No, it's not going to change the world tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to do enough with it by the time I'm dead that it continues on after me and then it can change the world. And too many people nowadays are like, oh, well, if it's not going to do it right now, today or tomorrow at the latest, I don't want any part of it anymore. No, they need it right now, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. You're digressing. <laughs> I, I am. I'll I'm way off topic. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> everyone who's listening. <laughs> it's uh, all good. We could talk for hours on this stuff. Let's go back uh, to your digs and the use of GPS because that's what yeah, we're here for, isn't it? It's absolutely. The it's the spatial. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's, it's all about, you know, new applications for existing yes. technology. Yes. Um, so I was literally in class and I was taking a class on GIS um, and I'm sitting there and I was familiar with GIS from my days as an insurance agent. I did a lot mm -hmm. of farm, farm insurance. So I would go on to GIS and check property ownership records. And, you know, I knew I click on the parcel would pop up information about who owns yep. the land and, yep. and all this. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the class and I'm thinking about what I've done. I'm like, why the hell can't I do this with dinosaur bones? Mm-hmm. Why can't I have it that I could map and curate all of this at the dig site and you could go into GIS and click on a point on the map and it would pop up a picture of the fossil, tell you what species it was from, where we found it, uh, uh, the lithology, the surrounding rock around it, what kind of formation it was in. Um, is there any kind of weird pathologies about it? Are there teeth marks on it or anything like that? Insect boring, uh, you know, remodeled fractures. I mean, all kinds of whatever we really wanted to yes, put into it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, why can't I do this? And, and I couldn't think of a reason why I couldn't. So I approached um, 
I emailed the chair of the department for geology and said, hey, do you know any other students that might be interested in just kind of a little side project, nothing serious, just something fun. Let's see if we can make it happen. And then it kind of took off and the university wanted to do it as a research project and, you know, uh, gave us a little bit of grant money to go out and do it. And, and then, uh, then came the hard part of equipment. And the university was all for the project until I asked them for, you know, $30,000 worth of GNSS equipment to take out in the middle of nowhere that I've never used or worked with before. <laughs> then I got a real hard no. No, that's not going to happen, Tom. And I'm like, uh, all right. Uh, this might resonate with some of some of your listeners out there. I'm kind of a hold my beer and watch this kind of guy. <laughs> so uh, I couldn't get Don't the equipment tell me from I university. Can't do it. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Or, or please tell me I can't do it. And now I'm really going to go do it. <laughs> um, and so I started calling manufacturers of equipment and I called like Trimble and Leica and Carlson Software and I just told them what I was trying to do and what I wanted to do. And I want, you know, I want sub centimeter accuracy, um, you know, and it's got to work in the middle of, you know, nowhere. And when I say nowhere, it's we may not be in the middle of nowhere, but you can see it from where we are. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, uh, a lot of credit to Carlson Software. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, do they have much of a presence in Australia, Carlson? No. Um, no fantastic no. company. I, could, I can't say enough positive things about them. I really can't. The equipment's extremely easy to use, mm-hmm. um, easy to set up, uh, wonderful support from the company if you are having issues. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, the representative I have from the company, his name is Lad Nelson. Um, Lad's literally come out to dig sites and help us set up the equipment and, you know, walk the equipment in to get a fixed known location that we can start broadcasting it and collecting our data. And um, Carlson jumped right on board and said, yeah, this is cool. We're in. What do you need for equipment? Yeah. And they put together a whole whole package and suite of equipment and software for us to use. And we went out and did it. And we made a map and it's an interactive mm-hmm. map. And it's, you know, it, it, with the ArcGIS program that I use, you know, it comes with the built-in attribute table underneath it. So we can search the data. We can sort the data. You know, I can go in now and say, show me all the T-Rex bones that we found. Mm-hmm. And yep. they all pop up on the map. And now I can go, okay, show me the T-Rex fossils we found that have bite marks on them. There they are. Um, you know, so powerful. there's a lot. Of- are you using Esri? Uh, I'm using Azri uh, inside the ArcGIS program. Yep. Um, I may stay with that. I don't know. Um, I've had a couple other companies approach me about their okay. software um, mm-hmm. and some of the things that they can do. So I'm interested to see what is out there. Because um, honestly, who, it was who else is out there? Um, well, there's um, you know QGIS is yep. out there because that's a free um, online. Yeah, that's a free one, and um, I've never really played with it a lot, and I'm, I was trying to this winter on my break from school for a little bit, but I've been busy with about 100 other things. Um, <laughs> every day I turn around, it's something new and exciting happening, and it's awesome. Um, and then uh, there's a company called Bad Elf uh, yeah, yeah. here in the States that yeah, uh, is interested in. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, Nick and Larry and I are having a conference call on Friday. No. to talk about what they've got and what I'm doing and how we can work together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Kent from Geoholics, um, mm-hmm. you know, he speaks very highly of Nick uh, and his GIS prowess. Yes. Um, and so it's just interesting to see that. Plus it's, you know, 
photogrammetry and LIDAR data and, you know, drone imagery type things that we can put in there and integrate into the, 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 the raster layers of the map underneath and make it more, what's the word I'm looking for? Pretty, you know, for the general I public. That that, word. <laughs> <clears throat> I well, always used you know, to tell you, my students it needs to look pretty. <laughs> Well, especially they given what laugh. I'm trying they to accomplish. Oh, <laughs> until it, they actually started working with their maps or drawing their plans or working with their maps and stuff, and eventually they would come to me and say, "Miss, can you come and look at my map? It looks so pretty now." <laughs> yeah, and uh, it. well, it's like mine right now is it's boring and lifeless. It's literally like it's so two dimensional, and it's mm-hmm. just literally points on there. And it to me, it's very lifeless. Um, and I want to bring it more to life. I want to make it pretty and I want to make it that, you know, like working with the Science Museum of Minnesota on that project is our goal is to put that in the museum as an exhibit and make mm-hmm. it three dimensional interactive. So we not only have the actual fossils on display, but you can go over here and go on this huge big screen TV and see the map of the location and interact Brilliant. with it and push a button and it pops up the femur from this bison and you can see what it took yeah. to dig it out. And so it's working on things like that. And then uh, working on a new research project this summer where I'm going to be uh, integrating some chemical analysis stuff into the map as well mm. um, and be able to look at that type of information and see uh, what we can learn from that by that integration. And so it's just, it, the sky's the limit. It really is. And I look at it and go, you know, I have a, a, a young lady that I go to school with right now and she's going to school for botany and, and agricultural sciences. Um, and she was taking one of the geology classes I was at because it's part of their program as well. And uh, her and I just started talking. I'm like, have you ever looked at like paleobotany? She's like, what is that? I've never even heard of it. I'm like, it's a whole area of study of ancient plant life. I mean, and she's like, does that even exist? I'm like, I dig it up all the time every summer. I, it, you know, there's impressions of ancient plants and, um, you know, petrified wood and fossilized um organics that are out there and you know so from that conversation with her she's coming out in the field this summer and she wants to look at it and see what it's like and you know it's not to diminish what she was going to school for originally I mean I I, whatever she wants to do she wants to do but it's the point of it made me really aware of how poorly of a job as geoscientists and people in the geoscience fields have done of telling our story and letting young people know how much fun we have with the jobs that we do yep. and how important our jobs are. Yep. I mean, you look at, at the, the mapping part of it. Why is that important? I've had people ask me that question. Well, why do you think it's a big deal? Well, it, it's a big deal if I can do it on my site and I can do it on enough sites. And now we can correlate that information across an entire continent. Now we can draw a better ecological picture of what's going on in the world 65 million years ago. And now we can integrate plant life into the map and map the actual uh, fossilized plants. We can look Telling at... Telling a story of history. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, and without knowing the history of our planet, we're, we're going to have no idea what direction it's actually going in. Mm. Um, you know, as far as climate change, what can we do about it? Um, is there anything we can do about it? Has this happened before in our planet's history? And what did the planet do to recover from it? So, you know, um, one day when the the planet, it is, Mm -hmm. it's all saved in the rock record somewhere. Um, 
And so it's really interesting, all the stuff that's found, you know, it's just like uh, the, the core samples they take out of the Arctic ice shelves, mm -hmm. you know, and all the data we get from that. I mean, they're talking like, you know, they take these core samples and they go, oh, there was a volcano that erupted at 42 BC. And we can tell that because here's the ash and the ice. And we can tell you how old the ice is because of the depth it's at and testing the materials. And it's just like, that's unbelievable. You know, we've been able to explain why, you know, um, ancient civilizations collapsed almost simultaneously across the Mediterranean and how that is related to geology. Most people don't think about that. They're saying, oh, it's just history. Who cares? Well, no, because it's a geological force that, that played a major role in that you know, collapse of those civilizations. Uh, well, the recent volcano in Tonga that just, you know, erupted. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's the geology at work right there. And, you know, what role is that going to play and what kind of impact is that going to have on our environment? Well, if we go back and look at the rock record and see when other eruptions like this have occurred in the past, well, now we can start going, okay, how did the planet react right after that? What was, what was going on from an ecological standpoint across the planet to overcome this massive amount of ash and sulfur and different elements being launched into the atmosphere? Um, so, yeah, it's just, and so I feel just really compelled to tell the story and get people involved and, and hopefully, you know, find a few of them that, like you and I, that, that have that passion suddenly that didn't know they necessarily always had it mm -hmm. yeah. until they were finally exposed to it. Okay, so that leads me into your foundation. Ah. Oh, my foundation, my near and dear to my heart. Never in my life did I ever. Science foundation. Yeah, never in my life did I ever think I would run a nonprofit science foundation. Um, I'm almost as excited about that as I am when I'm digging up dinosaurs and the things that we're gonna hopefully be able to do mm -hmm. and achieve um, from making sure that you know some of our big initiatives are. Uh, our GCAP program, geospatial curation in archaeology and paleontology, and getting more scientists on board with geospatially curating their sites. And then we can link all of those maps together and share that data and create a worldwide map of everything and be able to start seeing pictures and start seeing a, a global perspective. You know, as our, our world's evolved into a global community now, um, <clears throat> we're still behind in the geoscience world of being a global science of sharing everything and talking about everything and integrating everything. And so that's one of the big initiatives we have is getting more people to allow us to either go out and do this or teach them how to do it for themselves um, and, and get that data out there and make it available and accessible. And uh, more importantly, make it accessible to everyone. Everyone. Yeah. You know, kids and, and people all over the world that don't have dinosaurs in their backyard or don't have a archaeological site of an ancient civilization in their backyard could now go online and look at it and see it. And, you know, with the integration of photogrammetry and LIDAR, making it truly kind of a 3D immersive experience on the map, um, you know, we can... Uh, open up those doors to these people and let them know that these possibilities are there. And, and this is something you can do. Um, you know, we're working on another initiative. Um, uh, we call it our vets program, uh, yeah. veterans, military veterans engaging and transitioning into science, um, working with them to get 
providing therapy digs for veterans that are suffering from PTSD and get them out in the middle of nowhere and let them dig and have some fun and, and use some of the skills that they learned in their service to their country, um, as well as, you know, military personnel that are leaving the service and going back into civilian life. And you have a, a vast amount of knowledge and skill sets available that could transition transition over very well into mm-hmm. the science fields. And so giving them opportunities to explore that. And then uh, another one we have is our uh, redeposit program, which stands for repatriation, um, repatriation and developing earth, paleontological and other sciences with indigenous tribes, where we actually go out um, and we don't charge anything for this. We will go out and work with indigenous tribes and help them create museums for their stuff and educate them on how to run the museum and get staff up and running. And we provide uh, interns that come out and help work with them and keep this going, uh, as well as work with them to go exhume new stuff for them to put in their museums, yeah. um, as well as work on repatriation and uh, how do we get back stuff that was taken from you hundreds of years ago illegally. And how do we get that back to you? And so we're really working hard on those uh, uh, main initiatives now. Um, We have seven total in the foundation that we're rolling out. But as with any foundation, especially a startup foundation, money is key. Um, So it's, you know, getting funding in place and and then moving stuff forward. And it's it's one of those things where it almost to me feels like you got to put the cart in front of the horse and show them tangible results first before people are willing to open up their checkbooks and go, yeah, I want to invest in this. It's quite often the way they, they can't see the big picture. They can't see what it is that you're trying to achieve. So you've got to do it to say this, look, it works. Yeah. It's making a difference. It, it, it absolutely is because it's like, you know, right now I have a GoFundMe page out there for people that want to put in because right now I'm literally fronting all the costs for this. Um, I bought the G, GNS mm-hmm. equipment, uh, working on getting the funds to buy uh, some other equipment that I'm going to use for testing yeah. uh, yep. rocks and fossils and things for, um, you know, but, the, you know, those are, don't get me wrong, they're large one-time expenses it's the continuous expenses that are a big issue. It's, you know, lodging for a summer for myself and how many of our interns and projects we got going on is, you know, 30, $40,000 a summer for lodging, travel expenses, meals, mm. um, you know, and those are things that um, right now I'm covering those because I want to make it available and I want to make it available to people that don't always necessarily have the financial resources to be able to say, Oh, I can afford to spend $3,000 this summer for my you know, son or daughter to go out and work in South Dakota digging up dinosaurs. Mm. Uh, I don't ever want that to be a limitation. I, I want them to have the ability and go, this costs you nothing. If you want to go, let's go. Um, and I think that it, it, as I get more tread on the tires, so to say, and, and get more traction and people involved and things are coming to fruition in that, um, I'm hoping that more of the initiatives, we can start getting involved and getting more people involved and um, even develop some more stuff. Um, you know, with our, our um, we recently became, uh, the foundation became a brand ambassador for getting kids in a survey, an organization out of England. Yep. Um, and that, and that's going to be part of something that we do now is, you know, 
let's get kids out with surveyors. Let's take them out and show them that we use surveying equipment to map dinosaurs now and get them engaged with this. And it's not just um, because I, I'm trying to remember when I was that age, you know, you said surveying to me and all I pictured was the, you know, the guy surveying off a lot that somebody was going to build a house on or standing in the middle of the road to make sure the road was level and straight. And there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. And so we just much. do a really, exactly. I'm going to use some naughty words right now. We just do a piss poor job of telling our story and getting kids going. <laughs> there's so many directions you can go into the, with this field. Just shut up and come here and let me show you. Um, yeah. And- I mean, we've, we've been working hard for a little while now and like I've known Elaine for a few years now and, 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 She's awesome. Yeah, she is. She's fantastic. Um, Uh, She's a go-getter, that one. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I I thought I had passion and energy. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. You got nothing on her. (laughs) Nope. I don't even think the two of us together could equal her. (laughs) No, definitely not. Definitely not. But, yeah. Maybe if we throw in Kent. You, me, and Kent, maybe we get close. Maybe. We might get close then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she's an energizer bunny, that one. Um, yeah, and just you know, I know that in in our in our area in surveying and what we're doing in Australia, and you know, we have this small group of people who who are trying to make a difference and get it into the schools, get it into the primary schools, the high schools, so that they understand what what we do and that it is a job. And like I, I have, you know, a, a, another layer on top of that of. Um, young girls saying, I can't be an engineer or I can't be a a surveyor, you know, surveying's for boys. And I'm like, no, no, this is, these jobs, we can all do these jobs. You don't, it doesn't, boy, girl, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as you you love getting out there and having a go and problem solve, you you can do this job. And to me, you know, they always say, oh, you've got to have maths. Well, um, I wasn't that good at maths. I'm a creative person. I worked. I understand there was a problem. You had to do X, Y, Z to solve it. And I learned how to do that so that, you know, it became part of what I needed to know. So it's not like, you know, they're things that you can learn, you know, whether you like them or not. I'm still not a big, massive fan of maths, but I understand its processes. I understand what it's used for and I can use it when I need to. But, yeah, it's like so you don't have to be the mathematician or whatever it is no. to get into to get into these jobs and yeah so uh, there's a small group of us that are really passionate about getting it out there to the schools and working with education and all that kind of stuff and yeah, and- yeah it's like me i i am uh, truly a buffoon when it comes to gns equipment and how it you know, how it really functions and what's actually going on with all of the calculations mm-hmm. and algorithms in there. And I, I have no idea. I, you know, I dig up dinosaurs, um, but I know that this technology exists. I don't necessarily need to know how it works, but I do need somebody that I know that knows how it yes. works. Yes. Um, and we need those people just as much as we need the ones out in the field. And, so you know, it, it's, and you're so right. I, it is. I mean, for the longest time, you know, I'm a. I don't care if I piss somebody off. You know, ah, go for get, it. <laughs> get over it. Yep. Geology and paleontology have been, you know, white male dominated since the dawn of the sciences. Oh, welcome to um, the surveying world. <laughs> and 
you know, it's one of the things that I'm really am passionate about is I want everyone involved. Yes, me too. And you want to know why? And, you know, this might get me in trouble. And who cares? I don't give a shit. No. I, I specifically like having females on my team because the way women see the world and the way men see the world are two different visions. Different. And yes. we need both of those. We need that that perspective of a woman, like you just said, making your map pretty. We need that perspective because we need to make our science palatable to the public. Because if it's not palatable to the public, we're never going to get them engaged. We're never going to get them pissed mm-hmm. off enough that they demand education starts being provided to young people to get them involved in this. Because if we don't, our society is going to have a giant shit sandwich in a little bit and we're all going to take a bite. Mm-hmm. And so I'm passionate about getting those people involved and opening that door. And, you know, I, I haven't gotten my vision statement for the foundation approved yet um, and because they want me to clean up some of the language because it's a little too. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Down to earth, common sense, where um, the basic tenets of my vision statement of the foundation is this. This foundation is going to be here that whenever any student or any person that has passion in science has the door closed in their face, the opportunities for them to get involved, we're going to be here to kick the fucking door open. We're Wouldn't done it be with nice you to have your vision statement as that. It would, but you, you can't. Too, you've got too many. Part academics. of my language. You've sorry. got too many academics on your. Uh, <laughs> but, but, and honestly, That's you know, I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to make some academics mad. And that's fine. You know, the academics that I get mad are the ones that, that, you know what, maybe need to get the hell out of the way. You're the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when I went with my research, you know, I literally had a professor last semester look at me and go, I don't understand what the big deal is with your map. And I don't understand why anybody even, I don't get it. No. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. And, um, and this was coming Gosh. from... You know, it wasn't just a professor. It was actually my academic advisor at the school. The gentleman's a paleontologist with a PhD. And he's just like, I just don't understand why it's so important. And and it was just like, you are the exact problem. Yes. You know, if you have a student come to you that has an idea, your first thought should be is, all right, how the hell can we get this done? Yes. Not of... Oh, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, let's, you know, put it on the shelf for a little while and come back to it later. And no, if a student comes to you and has enough passion and curiosity about an idea, it takes all their courage to even come to you in the first place. And then you just kick them in the teeth. (laughs) It's like, you know, shame on you. Shame Mm -hmm. on you Mm -hmm. for, for doing that. Even if their idea can't happen, at least sit them down and go, okay, why are you trying to do that? Well, this is my ultimate goal. Oh, that's your goal. Here, let's look at this idea instead of the way you were thinking. Were you aware of this technology that existed that can do that for you? And all of a sudden that student's going, oh my God, that's so cool. Can I get involved with that now? Yeah. And we keep them in the earth sciences and we keep them in geosciences and we keep them in surveying and we keep them in geology and geography and and instead of watching him get disgruntled and belittled and um, demeaned almost to the point that they just say, screw you. I'm going to go be an English major because nobody gives a shit about what I do there. Mm. Um, You know, and nothing against English majors. If you're out there, you are very (laughs) important. 
I they, take, were, they uh, probably won't be listening to this. <laughs> I take an English and writing class every year at school, so I make sure I know how to effectively communicate my ideas to the public. Um, Without saying fuck. <laughs> yeah. Some days it's really, really hard for you. It really is because there's some people out there just want to push that button. Um, <clears throat> not that you would have any experience with people like that because, you know, no, you no, just no, deal no. with wonderful, joyful people every day. Oh, every day, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I had it today. I... Yeah, I had a conversation today where I literally hung up the phone and I called, I texted Kent and I said, Kent, you got a minute? He's like, yeah, what's up? I go, can I call? And he calls me and I said, I just need to vent. I said, do you, do you mind if I just yell at you for a little bit? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. And I just, I just went off. I mean, I just went off for like 10 minutes about how, ugh, how close-minded people can be. And, you know, if you just get out of the hell out of the way and let people follow their passions, more shit would get done. But instead you want to go, oh, well, we got to follow the proper protocols and we got to follow the proper procedures. And you know what? Sometimes the proper procedure is just get the hell out of the way and let's try it. You just never know. We've worked ourselves into a a PC status of complete and utter complacency to try and push any boundaries anymore. And that's why I love the name of your podcast. (laughs) Defining boundaries is, you know what? It's what we do. But nobody said whose boundaries we're defining. No. I'm defining my own boundaries by how many other opportunities I can get young people to get involved and how many lives can I change and how many opportunities can I get for other people to advance their studies and learn more and get engaged okay. and be involved. Um, and if so that's so. my boundary and that's how I define it, I'll be damned if I let anybody get in the way of that. Well, I think and that's I think that's the thing with you, Tom, that you've got that passion and you look at every every which way that you can make it happen. And that's not that's what thing. you gotta do. Mm. You're you're doing the same thing with your mm. academy. It's mm. you know, be damned what's in my way. I'm gonna get this done because I not only do I believe it has to happen, I know it has to happen down to the yes. very fiber of my being that if these yes. changes don't start getting you know, kicked along and moved along and drug along and mm-hmm. forced into situations where somebody might be uncomfortable, they're never going to get addressed. It's never going to get changed. And we're going to be in the same place 10 years from now. And, you know, it was funny. I think it was Kent who shared with me that the average age of a surveyor in the United States is 68 years old. Yeah. Holy crap. What are we going to do in 10 years? Yeah, it's, I mean, and it's like that worldwide. I mean, we're, we're down to the 55, so, so you know, it's not, it used to be a bit higher. It's kind of come down a little bit, but, yeah, it's. Well, and I laugh because people want to keep buying land and they keep wanting building roads and they keep wanting more yeah. infrastructure and they I want know. all this shit. They want all this stuff, but yet the public should be absolutely freaking outraged right now at the lack of infrastructure for the infrastructure projects you want you want to build a bridge or build a road you need surveyors that's all there is to it exactly where they're the beginning and the end exactly (laughs) you know that's what i keep telling omega of every project (laughs) and and how the public doesn't sit there and go wait a minute the average surveyor is 68 years old in 10 years we're not gonna be able to build bridges or roads or or survey anything because there's gonna be nobody alive left to do it and you know it's one of the things where it's frustrating it is and it's but it's one of the things that i feel 
uniquely qualified because I have a really cool hook of dinosaurs. And I can use that to get young people because young people love dinosaurs. Kids love dinosaurs. You know, know, on a a very large level, most people are fascinated with them across the board, across all ages and demographics. But it's like, if I can use my platform to get young people engaged, I don't care if you become a paleontologist. I don't care if you become a geologist, a geographer, a cartographer, a surveyor. I don't Mm -hmm. care as long Mm -hmm. as you stay in this world. You stay in the world of earth sciences somewhere, because if we don't get our hooks into you and keep you here, you're going to leave for technology. You're going to leave for other things. And pretty soon the world's going to come to a standstill and technology is going to die because without geologists, uh, earth elements aren't found and smartphones aren't made and computers aren't made. And, you know, if it's not for surveyors, the, the helipad for the hospital doesn't get built so people can get emergency medical care if something, you know, catastrophically bad happens and they need to fly you in. People, you need to get off your asses and start realizing how much of your world is completely and utterly dependent on people in the geoscience, geospatial fields. And if you don't figure it out really quick, guess what? You're going to find out the hard way and it's going to be a very painful lesson and it's going to take a long time to recover from that. I mean, I think I just read a study in England where it's been a 68% decline in earth and geoscience degrees in the last 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, I see our problem is that over here in, in Australia, and I'm just talking about my state is that to be able to become, to do surveying at university, you need a really, really high mark to get in. So, Hmm. so it's like, well, there's no chance. Is there a way to privatize it at all, like with your academy or or oh, even large well, surveying companies to provide that education? No, to- you you have to have a de- you have to have a degree <clears throat> in surveying. We've got we we have a university that a lot of them now go to. Like if we have the people going through the vocational sector, they'll do that because you don't. It doesn't matter what mark you get. We don't look at yep. that. You want to be a surveyor? We'll technically train you how to be a surveyor. You want to go and become registered? then you're going to have to go to uni. And the biggest choice that they have at the moment where they can be working full-time might take them longer because they're going to be doing it part-time. They do it online through the University of Southern Queensland. And okay. that's they get so, they get, they get like, oh, I don't know, it's some ridiculously high amount of, I don't know, somewhere between 500 and 700 students a year going through their survey program. And you look at the the ones down here in New South Wales, there's very, very small numbers of like, you know, anywhere between 12 and 30 and if, if you're lucky. Do you know why the, the requirement is for such high marks in order to get in? Hmm. I, I think there's a few factors to it. I, I think you, you're looking at, okay, um, the university in Sydney, University of New South Wales, is a research-based university looking at, you know, where they stand within the universities across the world. So it's all research, yep. money-driven type of thing, So, which is sad, it, you know, good but sad. And then uh, Newcastle, which is about two hours north of us, is the other university that does it. Their mark is a bit lower. They're in, like, so UNSW is like 93, 90 to 93, and I think um, – Newcastle might be mid 80s or something to get in. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I all the rest, under- the rest of them are around the 73 kind of mark. So. And that's the one thing that's frustrated me with academia is we've spent so much time judging people on their grades and marks and mm-hmm. and that. And yet the same institution is the one that's screaming at us to be more inclusive and promote diversity. And it's like, you hypocrites. <laughs> If this, if this student has a passion for surveying and they want to go, why don't you figure out a way to let them do it? Maybe you don't admit them as a full-time student and say, hey, you know what? For the first semester, we want you to take one class. That's all you can take because your marks. We want to see you focus on one class and what work you're capable of doing at a university setting. And we slowly transition you into this life. Instead of just slamming the door shut saying, you're never going to be good enough. Well, what the hell are you telling that kid from day one? You're not even good enough to get into school. You'll never be good enough to be a surveyor or anything else. But see, that's you where know. we're lucky here. That's where we're lucky here in, in, in Australia because we have our vocational, um, you know, qualifications. So yeah, I, I, we, I don't have a degree in surveying. I, I've got a degree in education, but I've got a, I, I've only have a diploma. I think you can teach me some stuff. <laughs> I try. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's so many who are technically trained that have got amazing careers without mm-hmm. going to university because we can. You know, we can't define, we can't sign plans. We, we, we can't define boundaries without being under supervision of a, a registered or licensed surveyor, you know, that kind of stuff that ultimately yep. it re- relies on the registered licensed surveyor to sign those plans say, saying that, the work that has been completed is accurate and all that kind of stuff. But um, there's heaps more. It's almost like our, uh, there is it's almost like our apprenticeship program for trades workers here, like plumbers, electricians, um, where, you know, you can be an apprentice or, or journeyman electrician Mm. and you can do everything that the master electrician can do, except sign off on the reports, (laughs) you know? um, And it's good that those opportunities are there, but, it feels like that for an educational institution, they sometimes do everything they can to stop people from learning. Oh, that's, sad, <laughs> that's so sad. They, they think their job is to make money and then not to raise you know, smart, well-rounded, educated students that can pursue their passion. Mm. Maybe they yeah. should be reminded of what their priorities are. Yeah, I know. But, but I digress. We, we only have a couple, a couple in, but you know, Queensland of, done well because they've provided an online option that students from all over Australia go and do it. So those, those, that it want, is. That, yeah, those that want to get a degree in it have. Well, and that's one of the things that's fascinating with like what, what, you know, kind of bring it full circle back to what I'm doing is, is this is something that can be easily introduced into a curriculum and show how we do this and and it can be a very interdisciplinary curriculum of geology paleontology you know uh, gis gnss equipment i mean surveying it's so interdisciplinary by nature that Mm. i think it could really offer some really unique opportunities from a curriculum basis um to get more kids involved and get more young people to ask questions going wait a minute, I didn't realize I could 
use this equipment, but also go dig dinosaurs. And yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, everyone wants to get into drone technology. And it's like, that's awesome. We need that. But do you realize that, you know, using drones for paleontology is on the rise? Mm. We use them. uh, I've heard of people using them to literally fly them out over areas where they think there might be dinosaurs to survey the land rather than walking on their own two feet for 40,000 acres. Um, they well, fly a drone over a half hour and go, there looks like a good spot over that way. We should go yeah. over there. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's just so many opportunities. Or, and, you know, the whole unmanned aerial vehicle stuff and drones and, and in the spatial field is opportunities are endless. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the things that they're putting on drones now to collect data and gather data is just like, holy cow. What's next? This is so cool. You know, they're flying them around with, with ground penetrating radar on drones now. Yes. And locating stuff aerially, you know, through the, um, I didn't say that right, but, you know, through the air with these, and they just fly it over the area and go, okay, don't dig there. There's something there. We don't know what it is yet. You know, and they're My working with surveyors. It is. And, mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun to watch where it goes. Uh, I'm sure extremely frustrating Mm -hmm. for people like you and I, when we're like, why are you doing Mm -hmm. it that way? That's stupid. Do it this way. And it would already be done. Yep. But now. Exactly. Exactly. So. All right. Moving on because we're running out of time. Oh, I'll make all the time in the world for you. You can take all night (laughs) if you want. I do not have to drive to North Dakota tonight, so we're good. Oh, I've had some go on for three or four hours. That's for sure. It's, uh, oh, sadly, I could see you and I doing that very easily, getting off I on know. topics and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, you I, know, I, it, hey, I was pre-warned. I was pre-warned. <laughs> well, it's, I, I love talking to people like you and, and people like Kent. And, you know, I talked to a lawyer yesterday for uh, one of the universities in another state um, that's head of tribal relations and that. And, Anytime I run into somebody who is dynamic and visionary, I want to talk to them all day mm-hmm. because they, they, they're, they're constantly in that mode of thinking of how can we do it better, faster? How can we get more people involved? What can we do? 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 And I love those people because those are the people mm-hmm. that actually get stuff done. What does motivate you every day? You know, we kind of touched on it earlier where my biggest motivation right now is just, is how fast can I get this foundation up, running, and funded mm-hmm. so I can change as many lives as possible before I'm dead? Full stop. <laughs> that, that's, that's it right perfect. there in a nutshell. My God, I've not heard you say something so precise in such short amount of time. <laughs> For those right, of what's... you that can't see me, I was literally just biting on my hands. I won't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's it in a sentence. What's your guilty pleasure? Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I love food, uh, pretty much all food, um, uh, chocolate. Um, okay, yeah, chocolate. I mean, if, if you ever want something from me, just give me chocolate. And I'll, I don't care. Milk, candy bars, don't care. Just chocolate's good. That and I, I got a small football problem. I really love watching football. Um, Who's your team? Oh, well, I'm from Wisconsin. There is only one football team, and that's the Green Bay Packers. I'll have 
You know, there's a, I always tell people, I said, there's a reason that they put that G on the side of the helmet for the Packers because we're God's team. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wait for the hate that I get from this one from my American listeners. <laughs> oh, that's all right. There's other good football teams out there. I'm just, a, uh, you know, I'm a, I, I love my Packers. Um, I, I really do. But I love good football and I love watching good football get played. And, mm-hmm. you know, I laugh. I had the, I recently took this class called Geologized by uh, Dr. Mort, uh, Hayden Mort out of England. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know him. And uh, it's a great program. <laughs> and for uh, I would tell your listeners that are out there, if, if you're interested in communicating about your career with the public and how to best do that, go take his class. It's self-paced, do it at your own time. Mm-hmm. Um, all the videos are really short, you know, mm-hmm. two, three, four minute little snippets of how to yeah. use social media better, how to, you know, use your language to tailor it to the general public instead of using our jargon that we use. Um, I, I would highly recommend the class to anybody. Um, and so go look him up if you want, um, because it really is, it's, it's really funny how, you know, since working on that class and learning how to, what he calls geologize, normal everyday things. I mean, he literally did a video on um, how geology is why Donald Trump got elected president in the United States. And it's quite fascinating and it makes complete sense when you go watch it. Um, But now I watch football and go, you know, you could really talk about how tectonic activity could be related to, you know, the offensive line versus the defensive line in a football game. You know, you could talk about subduction, you could talk about, you know, mountain building, and I mean, you could talk about all these things and, and talk about geology with football. And so, um, but yeah, I just really enjoy watching a lot of football. Um, all right. So M&Ms and football. M&Ms and football. Tom's in heaven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, um, I, I don't know, do you have uh, what's called chocolate reasons down there? It's like a hard caramel covered in chocolate. Those are really good too. Um, oh, we have things like that. Not yeah, I just like, yeah, food's good. Chocolate's even better. <laughs> I'm an adventurous eater. I'll eat just about anything once. Um, you know, I, I, I lost a bet once and had to eat snails, and I oh. actually fell in love with them. No, oh, they're no, so no. good. Couldn't do it. Oh. You you can cook you can cook anything in enough butter and garlic and it'll be good. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I bet you, you guys have great seafood down there. Oh, we do, we do. Uh, Beautiful. It's one thing I, I live in the uh, middle of a landlocked. Just the seafood here sucks, and I, I love seafood. I could imagine. I love it. Yeah, if it comes out of the water, I'll pretty much eat it. My grandfather was a fisherman. Oh, very cool. Mm. So we grew what, up nah. on fish and scallops and he was an oyster oh. farmer as well. Oh, I don't like oysters, stop. but. Yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of the oyster, but you, you said scallops and yeah, I'm in. Mm. You give me a, a nice like six dozen pan seared scallops and I'm oh. sit down and eat. Yeah. And my, <laughs> little my, garlic, little to, butter. We used to put them in a brine. Oh. And oh, it was they were just divine. So we like we had fridge full of scallops in. Oh, yeah. 
I'm, I'm so jealous right now and yeah, sad inside. We used to go diving, <laughs> to go diving <clears throat> for them. Used to be fun. See, we, can, we can only get frozen ones here in Wisconsin, and mm. they're just, they're okay. I mean, they serve their purpose. They're not, but yeah. I, I've There's been like and had fresh, I, I've had fresh ones, and yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's like the difference between a paper map and using GIS. You know, the paper map will get you there. It'll, you know, you can follow it, but, you know, GPS and GIS coordinates are a lot easier to follow. And they, you know, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I was trying to bring it back to spatial. <laughs> well, One of us has to stay on task. So what's your favorite food? All right. What's your guilty pleasure? Uh-huh. Let's throw this around. I'm going to turn the script around now. What's your guilty pleasure? Well, I do love chocolate. If you don't like my chocolate, favorite, just... my favorite is dark chocolate bullets, Ooh. which are licorice with chocolate on on the outside. So they look like a now. Is it the is it is it the black licorice or the red licorice? A black, okay. black. The, yeah. So you lost not, me. The, the red is not licorice. That's not licorice. Oh yeah, you, you lost me on either one because I'm not a licorice <laughs> fan at all. So I'll eat all the M and M's. You can have all the all the dark chocolate bullets. I love M and M's, and I love. Nope, those are mine now. And I love um, the peanut coated M and M's, chocolate coated mm-hmm. almonds. You know, meant chocolate. I love chocolate. Um, oh and, yeah, I'm, and a steak, I, I'm a, a good steak. Fan. I love. Yes. I'm gonna have to run to the grocery store after we're done here, so I can go buy some chocolate now. <laughs> I think uh, I need a care package, Tom. <laughs> uh, I will. I will ship something off. You go ahead and, and, no, and send me no, your address. No, I will send something down. <laughs> Hell, you know what? I'll bring all the chocolate. You go find me a dig site to work on down there, and I'll come and deliver it for you. Deal. <laughs> all right. All right, so all you listeners out there, you just heard that. I have some witness somewhere that testified that this is going to happen. So One day, one day. One yeah, day. no, I would right. love to come down there. Just mm. It looks like such a, a beautiful country. And Gorgeous country. The, the ecological diversity down there of, yes. you know, you can go from like the Great Barrier Reef mm-hmm. to the beach to the outback to... Whatever. I mean, there's probably snow-covered mountains there somewhere. Yes, there is. Uh, hey? Believe it or I mean, not. You can... Kent doesn't believe it, but there is snow-covered mountains. <laughs> yeah, and just to be able to see that diversity and, you know, the animals and the diversity of animals that are there, you can only find there. I would love to see that and experience mm-hmm. that. And, you know, uh, the koalas are one of my favorite things in the world. I love koala bears. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the koala bear hug. And now will the kangaroo kick my no. ass? Yeah, uh, yeah. I never had yes, my ass very kicked dangerous. by kangaroo. They are very, actually, koalas are very dangerous as well. Oh, you're ruining everything for me. Soon you're going to tell me polar bears are dangerous too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All my childhood dreams No, but are dead I can now. still get you to pat a kangaroo and feed a kangaroo and cuddle a koala. We can organize Sweet. That. I'm in. I am so in. It'd be like three of my life goals knocked off right there. There you go. Yeah. See, I make people's dreams come true. You know, you do. I'll be down. I'll be down in three weeks. Um, Okay, that's fine. I I don't even know. The sad thing is, is I don't even have a passport. I don't have a passport right now. Neither do I. 
I literally filled out the application today, though, because my wife's like, as much as people are talking to you all over the world right now, you better get one because you're going to mm-hmm. have to get on a plane soon and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And she's like, are you OK with it? I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go anywhere once. <laughs> yeah. I don't care where Mine's it is. Lapsed. Mine's lapsed. I don't yeah, last time I had a passport, I was 17 and was in Germany. Oh, I haven't had God, one really? since then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm. Well, we used to be able to go places without it. We could go to Canada and not need a passport. We could go to Mexico right. and not need a passport. But now, okay. even to go up to Canada, I need a passport to get back into the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't need one to get into Canada. I just need one to get one back home. Okay. Um, and so I think it's Canada's way of trying to get more people to move there. Um, nice people. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. I, I've been to Canada a few times. Um, my last name is go. Hebert. I'd love to go. Um, as you said, my last name is Hebert. It's actually a French name. It's actually supposed to be pronounced Hebert. Um, oh, okay. And oh, my family for getting it wrong then. <laughs> oh no, I I respond to both. Um, here in America, how you pronounce it is determined by the ethnic uh, origins of the community you live mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So, like in southern Wisconsin, it was settled by mostly Germans originally. So down there, they pronounce it Hebert. Up here in northern Wisconsin, where I live, it was mostly French. So up here, it's Hebert. It's the same family. We can actually almost all trace our uh, ancestry back to two brothers uh, okay. that came over and founded the city of Quebec in Canada. There's actually statues of my great, 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 great grandfather in Quebec because he founded the city. And, oh, wow. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I've been up there and um, it's amazing how rude the people were until I said my last name was Aber. And then it was like, yeah, it was just bizarre. It was like royalty. I mean, we got a hand-guided tour through the museums and a walk through town on our family history. And, oh, your family, you know, donated that building and your great uncle did all these sculptures in town. (laughs) And, and so it was really interesting. It was hard though, because everything's in French and I don't read French and I barely speak any French. And the only French I do speak is not appropriate. Thank God the stop signs are still, you know, the same shape or else I wouldn't know how to stop a car. And so, um, but I'm looking forward to, I'm talking to some people up in Canada right now uh, about going up there and doing some work as well. So, um, I'm just, I'm feeling very blessed and extremely humbled. Um, Not in my wildest dreams that I ever think I would be where I am right now from a silly idea of like, let's make a really high precision, accurate map of a dig site to now, you know, I'm getting opportunities to work on stuff I never would have dreamed of. And I have the opportunity to change lives now and um, foster hopefully an environment to get more people involved and bring more awareness to the importance of what we do in Mm -hmm. the the geosciences and in the spatial industries and, and how you guys are pretty much screwed if we're gone. So, yeah, you know, I look at like our military veterans initiative of just because you're 38 and came out of the military doesn't mean your life's over. No, You've got opportunities no. and things to do and we can so go much, do this. And, so much ahead of you. Yeah. And so if, if I can use my story to help in, in any way, help get someone else to what I call get off a of zero, mm-hmm. pick a direction and go. I don't even give a crap what direction you go. Just don't sit on the tracks and let the train run you over. Get off a zero and and let's go. I'll help you and support you any way I can. You know, I've, you know, you, you know me well enough by now that I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody. I don't give a crap what your title is. And I don't care if you're the owner of a $5 billion (laughs) company. 
I respect you for what you've done and I will have the utmost respect for you. But at the same time, I also know that you are absolutely no different than me. And I have no problem calling you and telling you what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do and see if you're somebody that wants to get involved with that. And if you don't, that's fine. I'm going to call your competitor and they're going to say yes. And then we're going to make you regret it every day. You know, your life. (laughs) Well, I laugh because I've had, I've had uh, GNS companies. Um, I've had some of the biggest GNSS companies in the world come up to me now going, we'd like to get involved now. No, too late. Sorry. Sorry. Mm. I I offered this chance to you and you were too worried about your bottom line and charging me $70,000 for your equipment. That ship Um, sailed. Sorry. (laughs) You know, and Mm. I I really do believe in, you know, one of the big things that I always look at when it comes to working with people, um, not just in my foundation, but on anything I do in life is, it's always got to be a win-win. It can't be one-sided effort. You know, if, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I met uh, a young man from Florida and uh, he makes custom calendars and he's actually going to design a custom calendar for the foundation with our logo on it, his logo for his business on it. Yep. Um, and we're actually going to, uh, not this year, but next year, we're going to probably look at integrating like QR codes right into each page. So you could scan Perfect. it with your phone. It'll tell you a little bit about the dinosaur, the picture that he drew. Um, maybe even pull up the map and show you where we found fossils for that on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as provide a link that if you want to get involved and, you know, want to donate your money, donate money and, and help us. But that's um, so simple so, to do. All of what you've just said is so simple to create and put into the QR code. It's like. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing anything that hasn't been done before, mm. really. Um maybe in some different arenas, but yeah, you know, but for like this guy, it, it, it's, he's willing to donate this, his time and expertise and make these beautiful paleo drawings of dinosaurs. And they're just exquisite. And the least I can do is say, we'll put a link on our, our foundation webpage for you. And, yes. you know, if, and whatever we can do to promote you and because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it has to be that way. And it, it that's how true collaboration gets done. And I think it's one thing that really gets missed in the collaboration in the world of science period is everyone's out for themselves. Who's the lead author on the paper? Whose name goes first? Who published it first? And, you know, instead of just saying, you know what, whoever it is, XYZ surveying in Australia is like, you know what, Tom's freaking awesome. We want to get involved. How can we do that? Great, let's talk about it. I'm open to any and all ideas, um, you know, but it's got to be a win-win. It can't be all give and no give back. And I think there's just way too much taking in this world and not enough giving back. It's so it's so true. And it's like, you know, all the stuff that I do on social media and stuff like that, it's like I support other people I support other podcasts I support other companies and it's not because you know it's it's just something that I like to do because if you support that podcast it's going to bring attention to them and they're going to get more of what they need in you know their construction what you know whatever it is they're talking about but then it's it's just a circle that goes, okay, well, you know, I'm helping you because I want to. Do I get something out of it? I may or may not. I don't really care. 
but then you yeah. make those connections with people and then they go, oh, well, you know, oh, you're looking for this. Oh, go and speak to Peter about it because she knows about that stuff. And you just make these little connections that if I can help a person improve and get to their goal, that's just who I am. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, I, am, I get satisfaction I out from... of it seeing them them succeed. Be successful. That's my yep. that that's what I get out of it. Anything else is a is a bonus from there kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, I get asked that question frequently of mm. why do you do this time? Why do you care so much about giving people these opportunities? And and you want to know why? It is just what you said is I I get more excited and more passionate about what I do when I see somebody else find their passion and have success in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I take a great deal amount of personal satisfaction to humbly sit back and go, I may have had just a little bit to do with that. Yeah. And that's enough for me. I don't need any more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, being, I, I've made a ton of money in my life. I've been rich. I've been poor. I've been everywhere in between. And, you know, I've made the very conscious decision that I don't care about money anymore. I don't need to make a lot of money. Do I need to make money? Yeah, I have bills to pay and house payments and cars and, you know, just the basic living things. But I don't, any money that's above and beyond whatever I need for my bills needs to go back to students to get them out in the field or into other programs to get people engaged or, you know, creating scholarships for kids that would have no financial means ever to go to school, but have a passion for geosciences and want to do it. We're going to make sure you get to go. Mm-hmm. And I can take joy in that. I can sit back and go when, you know, little Timmy graduates with his bachelor's degree in geology or mm-hmm. surveying or, or whatever, and I see it somewhere or, you know, they reach out and let me know that they did that. I can sit back and go, mission accomplished. Look at that. We changed. And I try to explain it to my kids going this way. It's not just changing that person's life. There's that whole exponential growth. It's not just that person's life. You take somebody that is really underrepresented in the world of sciences and you finally get them an opportunity to engage and succeed in that field. You've changed their life, but you've changed their kids' lives, their grandkids' lives, their great-grandkids' lives, because now they're going to look at it and go, well, shit, if grandpa can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can start changing a culture that way, and you can start changing a society that way. And if more people were worried about that and spent time focusing on that, I, I always laugh because, you know, my wife and I joke about it all the time about money and bills and all this. And, and I'm a very much, uh, I don't worry about it. I really don't. <laughs> money comes, money goes. When I'm, you know, when I'm dead and gone, you know, my kids or my grandkids or my spouse or you or Kent or other people I've had any kind of contact with are going to sit there and go, damn, he was rich and had a great life and he had tons of money and had beautiful cars and beautiful houses. And no, that's not what people talk about. They talk about, wow, that's going to suck. You know, hopefully somebody out there is going, this sucks that Tom was the one that inspired me to do this or helped me have this opportunity to do that. And that's the real legacy we leave behind. And it's really where my focus is, is it's not... You know, 
having money or being, you know, in the world of their, of, you know, quotation marks, being successful, being measured by monetary achievements and the size of your house and the, your car, I, I'm going to measure my success by the number of lives I can change. And I think that's, if we change that focus, well, and if you change that focus in the geosciences and start looking at it, what can we do to change people's lives? It's going to snowball on itself, in my opinion. You're going to change one kid's life. And then that kid's going to talk to the next kid. And he's going to bring three of his buddies along. And, and then those five people are now out there as uh, ambassadors for what we're doing it now. And now we've created the next generation of advocate to go out there and talk about what exactly. we do and why we do it. And yeah. you can have all the money in the world. You can't buy that kind of advocacy. Right. You just can't, you can't no, buy, no. you can't buy that passion. No. You can't buy that enthusiasm. No. And, and that's what we need is we need the people out there that have mm-hmm. that passion and that enthusiasm mm-hmm. and that drive to be an advocate for the profession to stand up and say enough's enough. We're going to change it. Hell or high water. We're going to get loud enough and obnoxious enough until people listen to us and we change it. All right. Back to my silly questions. All right. I love silly questions. <laughs> we got all serious. Now we got to, <laughs> now it's time to have some fun. Uh, would you rather have a get out of jail card or a key that opens any door? Now the question I have is, is is the key that opens every door. Can I use that? Can I use that for everybody? Like, can I use the key that opens every door to open up doors for you or for other people? Yes, you can. Oh, hell yeah. Then that's an easy one. (laughs) Uh, If you see a puddle on the ground, do you walk around it, (laughs) jump over it or jump in it? (laughs) I'm laughing because it was, all I can hear in my head right now is Ken's answer to this going, (laughs) well, how big, how big is the puddle? How deep is it? (laughs) it's so frustrating oh oh me i'm absolutely go play in the puddle and sing and dance don't care (laughs) you know i don't care well we'll let let kent do the measurements and we'll go and have fun yeah yeah well kent's measuring the puddle we'll keep making it bigger so his measurements are always off gotta start over buddy keep going yeah oh it seems a little smaller now you better redo it While you're doing that, you know, I'm going to go get some scallops and go for a swim. <laughs> See you in a little while. <laughs> and Kent, when you listen to this, and I know you will, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> uh, yes, I think he has his hands full if he ever does anything with us. Oh, oh, we're getting together in Denver. Um, I actually was asked, uh, Carlson Software actually asked me this week to come out and be ah. uh, a keynote lunchtime speaker about what I used their equipment awesome. for this last year. And and now... Uh, Is that the February one or... April. March, April. April. Yeah, I was going to say there's a couple. The 7th. Yeah, April one. Okay. You should come and do your podcast from there. Oh. Uh, Denver's beautiful. A, little, a I long way can't to say go. that. I've never been podcast. to Denver. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's mine. I think dinosaurs all over the world. It'd be nice to be able to just blink my eyes and be there. And just, all right, I'm here. Let's go. Oh. Um, yeah, I Perfect. think that would uh, teleportation would be the key because, I mean, I could, like, snap my fingers and I'd be there right now. We could go get scallops. How good tonight. would that be? No. Be so good. I don't know what would be better. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm sure some people out there would say like immortality or no. the ability to fly or be invisible or, and they all have their positive qualities. Don't get me wrong, but for me, yeah, the ability to travel and be somewhere instantaneously would, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in. Nice. All right. At a party, where would someone find you? Well, to find party, um, well, <laughs> if it's a party like, if oh, it's a on, party like a, well, the scientist in me is coming out right now going, well, it depends. <laughs> if we're at a science conference party, I'm probably going to be at the bar hanging out with the locals or talking to somebody else from there. I'm not going to be over. I'll let you science. I heard enough science all day. I want to go have some fun and talk about something else. Um if it's a like a social, like a, a party at your house and 20 friends just hanging out, watching a football game and eating M&Ms, I'm going to be right in the middle of the party. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, I have no problem spurring the party along if need be. <laughs> um, would you mind How about you? Where would, we, where would we find you at the party? Has anybody ever asked you these questions? As some people do occasionally ask me bits and pieces. Um, me? Well... I suppose it does depend on what kind of party it is and it probably depends on how much alcohol I've consumed. <laughs> I've seen some of your, your your Instagram posts and there is some alcohol <laughs> consumed. So, um, all right, let's say it's a house party and you're just annihilated, stupid drunk. I mean, so drunk you think a koala is your husband. Oh, I'd be in trouble then. You'd probably find me in the corner by that stage, (laughs) asleep somewhere. Passed out in the corner with a blanket on you, sleeping. (laughs) By that stage, yes, yes. Um, No, I'm probably, yeah, I would be, um, after a few drinks, I would be in the middle of the party dancing, causing a ruckus. (laughs) Yes, yes, have fun. (laughs) Stir the pot a little bit, see what happens. Yes. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's one of my mantras as well is don't be, you know, don't be afraid to piss somebody off because sometimes out of anger comes the best ideas. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I don't want to work with it anymore because you suck. <laughs> I suppose it depends who's at the party and yeah, we won't All right. go. We won't go. Yeah. All right. What's your all time favorite movie? I, come on. These are my questions. <laughs> really? You sent me a questionnaire to ask me who would play me in a movie of my life. I know. And I never asked Worst question, question ever. <laughs> Worst question ever. And I never had, and I never ever asked that question once. <laughs> Come on. Um, well, I mean, considering how attractive I am in my, you know, sense of humor, I would say Ryan Reynolds would play me. <laughs> <laughs> I am the next Deadpool. Um <laughs> He's so funny. He, he, he is, is so hilarious. Funny. So uh, but anyway, back to the movie question for you. Yeah. This is kind of fun for me. So I'm not very good with actually remembering movies. <laughs> um, I had a chat with a friend a, a couple of, oh, a week ago or something. Shall remain and, nameless uh, for protection. No, 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 <laughs> no. He's on his podcast, Brayden. Um, and he sort of said the Harry Potter movies and I'd have to say that I do love Harry Potter movies. Oh, can't get done with the Harry Potter. I, li- 
I've never watched um, Game of Thrones or anything like that. But I like all yeah, different can... kinds of things, like the Deadpool movies. They're freaking awesome. They're so funny. I, I'm. Yeah, I'm the same very, way. I can, I can go from wide. like Deadpool to go watch Schindler's List and, and love them both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't ask, so, yeah, me I'm all over were, don't ask me what they were about because I can't remember that. I just know that, they, oh, yeah, they were pretty good. So, yeah, I struggle with that one. Just so you know, Jurassic Park movies are all about dinosaurs. That's all you need to know. I know. I've watched them. <laughs> I have never watched them. Haven't you? <laughs> I think I've watched two of them, all of them that are out. Um, and that. And, It'd uh, probably make like, you crazy. Well, when the first one came out, I wasn't really into dinosaurs. Mm. And now I'm getting into it. So now I'm starting to watch them as they come out and that. So, uh, so I think the first one was the best one from memory. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some inaccuracies on the depictions of dinosaurs, but I'm willing to live with it. Yeah. It's a movie. It is. It's just like, you know, I, I'm a big Not fan of life. the Transformers movie. I love the yes. Transformers movie. Yeah. They're cool. So, yeah, I can't pick a... I can't That'd be my superpower. Give me Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime is my superpower. <laughs> I have a killer robot that drives me around and he's a semi. How many dinosaur bones could I haul in that semi? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Optimus Prime is my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. went backwards. Yeah, that's so good. All right. What what is your next fun question? I can't wait. Okay. Or are so we done? No. No, I've got a oh, list no. now where you're just gonna tell me one or the other. So quick okay. shots. Tea or coffee? Right. A coffee. Coffee. Cat or dog? Dog. Sunrise <laughs> or sunset? <laughs> oh I Hmm. Hmm. See, I love a good sunrise because I love the promise of a new day. It just, it, but man, when I'm out west digging and that sun sets as, as we're leaving, and it, it's just, it's so flat. You can see forever, and it's just, I, I, I'm going to go sunset. Pick. I'm going to go oh, sunset. Oh, okay. I know sometimes you can't pick. Summer or winter? Summer. I can't dig dinosaurs in the winter here. <laughs> There's snow and it's cold. <laughs> Roller coasters, do you love or hate them? Uh, not a fan at all. No. Not even a little bit. No, nope. come we're, jump uh, in puddles with me. <laughs> I will. I would rather jump in puddles. We were uh, when we were in Gatlinburg on vacation, we went up to the top of one of the mountains there called the Anakista. And you could either take a bus up or ride the chairlift up the side of the mountain. And uh, so I took the bus up and then it started a storm. And um, the storm ended and then uh the line was like 10,000 people long to get on the bus to ride back down. And they're, they're going to have to wait for like three hours, but you could get on the chairlift like immediately. And I'm like, yeah. okay. And uh, my kids thought it was hilarious to shake the thing and bounce it up and down. <laughs> and I'm like, you're so lucky. I cannot reach you. I would beat you and throw you off of this. It was the most terrifying thing ever. I hated it. Every so you don't like heights either? I don't mind heights as long as there's something okay. underneath me. Like you can put me up on top of a 20 story building. If I'm standing on the roof and I have that underneath me, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you make me climb a ladder to do that, the ladder is terrifying. Once I'm up there, I'm fine. It's the ladder in between that's terrifying. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
three items you'd take to a desert island? Ooh. Scallops. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can die. Scallops, chocolate, and football. <laughs> Scallops, chocolate, and football. Um, <laughs> great answers, Tom. Um, boy, three things to take to a deserted island. Um, a boat, <laughs> so I can get off the island. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. What else? An unlimited supply of pen or pencils and paper, so I could write and capture the moments and my okay. thoughts and um and, and my wiener. I'd bring my wiener with. <laughs> My dog, that is. Yes, the dog. <laughs> See, never gets old. Uh, favorite song or artist? Ooh, mm. boy, I have so many. I've, uh, um, boy, I've seen a lot of great concerts and I've seen a lot of great artists. And mm-hmm. um, I know it's gonna be weird, but I love Eminem. That dude's funny to me. Oh, he is. Um, yeah, I agree. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I actually took my oldest daughter to go see his last concert in Detroit. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, someday I'll tell you that story just not on camera. Yeah, not on camera. Um, we'll do that one off. <laughs> no. um, boy, I, I I really like a. There's a a newer country group out there called Old Dominion. I'm a big fan of them. Um, I enjoy Keith Urban's music. Uh, I really like Pink. Um, how good is she? Hmm. She's awesome. Oh, I, my, my wife and I went and saw her live five rows from center stage. I was so close. I could smell the sweat on her feet. And it was just, as a performer, I've never seen anything like that. Oh, yeah, I saw her when um, she was here. Fantastic. I mean, swinging from the ceiling upside down, still singing in perfect pitch. And I'm like, how the hell? I can't even carry a tune if I had a handle. <laughs> um, but I also get things like I, I, I love Elvis and uh, there's times where I want to listen to like Bach or Mozart. Um, but mostly I, I listen to a lot of country music now, thanks to my oldest daughter and our one week trip to the country music festival. So that's kind of converted me. Um, so, yeah, kind of an eclectic taste. How about you? Oh, yeah, I'm all over the place as well. All over the place. I like I like some like the Aussie Bands, Hoodoo Gurus, Ganga Jang, In Excess, Angels, that kind of sort of. You too. You too. The Cure. The, the, yeah. um, the, the whatever you want to call them. But the big, yeah. ha- the big hair bands, Bon Jovi, and Poison, and. Yeah, not as, not as. Not oh, listen White to Snake. No, no, no. Little Led Zeppelin, like Pink Floyd. Yeah, all of that. Queen. I would say my absolute all time favorite very, song. Very broad as well. Yeah. I'd have to say, though, my all time favorite song of all time is probably Enter Samuel by Metallica, still to this day. Yeah, that's good. There's just something I hear that song and I'm just like, all right, let's go kick some ass. This is <laughs> awesome. Let's go. <laughs> if, if you can't get jacked up listening to Enter Sandman, then, you know, just. I'm sorry. I, I don't know wrong. what to tell you. Yeah, there's okay. something really wrong. Yeah. It's like saying you don't like bacon. I mean, that's just not a, you know, right. <laughs> Bacon's good. We can be friends then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can be friends. So. All right. Favorite book? Um, 
or author? Uh, well, my favorite book of all time is probably uh, the book Schindler's List by Thomas Keneally. Uh, it's the one that the movie was based off of. Yeah. Um, the book is 20 times better than the movie, and the movie's unbelievably awesome. Um, and I really enjoy Dan Brown, uh, Angels and okay. Demons, Da Vinci yeah. Code. Yep, um, yep. They make you think. I enjoy it. Um, it's very engaging to read. So how about you? What's your favorites? I think... My favorite for a very, very long time was Bryce Courtney. Okay. Power of One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those books. I loved those books. I don't know. I'm, once again, lots of different. I just learned from so many different genres and areas and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at my desk right now, I have. Uh, the Audubon Society Field Guide to North American Rocks and Minerals and a Dictionary of Geological Terms on my desk right now. So that's what I'm reading right now. <laughs> I'm reading Exciting. A, um, Green Light by Ooh. Matthew McConaughey at the moment. Mm. How I'm, is it? I'm enjoying it. I just don't pick it up enough, but I am enjoying it. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I actually had time to sit down and read a book for mm. pleasure. Yeah. Everything lately has been for reading papers and other people's research. And I would love to be able to sit and read for my own pleasure for a while. Mm-hmm. It was on my agenda today, actually. It was. I was going to take the day off and just go read and maybe watch some TV. And we that did not happen. 15 minutes. Didn't happen. All right. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? <laughs> I'm embarrassed you even asked this question. Uh, <laughs> Got to hear it from I, the mouth. I, I'm pretty extrovert, um, but I will say this. I have moments in time where I can be very introverted and just kind of go off and do my own thing. Um, but I really enjoy people. I really enjoy hearing other people's stories. Um, so, yeah, definitely an extrovert. Glass you, I'm not even going to ask you. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you because, you know, you, you try and pretend you're an introvert, but you are always willing to talk and hear somebody and, and engage, at least in my I, experience with you. Yeah, I am, but I would quite happily not be around anybody. So, Well, that's true. I would happily be around I, nobody too out in the middle of, you know, Montana digging up dinosaurs and not enough person around. That's great. <laughs> But at the end of the night, when I'm done with that, I go back to town and I have dinner at the local watering hole and talk to the locals. And yeah, so I would just go back and have dinner and not talk to anybody. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're gonna take you out and introduce you to some real small town local folks from Montana, and you'll you'll love those stories. You'll you'll want to hear more. <laughs> Remember that time Cletus had that horse caught in the fence? <laughs> and oh, sweet Lord. Anytime a story starts with Cletus and a horse, I'm listening. I am fully engaged in this conversation right now. Oh <laughs> Tell <God>. me more. <laughs> Tom, is your so. glass half full or half empty? <laughs> um. <laughs> Cletus. <laughs> Depends on it. Just drink from it or not. Um, <laughs> well, it's definitely half full. Probably closer to three quarters full. One thing you'd never do again. 
<laughs> oh boy. Um, I got tears hmm. in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Before. <laughs> One thing I'd never do again, ride that goddamn chairlift on that mountain down the hill in Tennessee. <laughs> that was no, I'm out. Never have it. I will roll down the mountain first. Wait for three hours for the bus next time. <laughs> yeah, I will walk down the mountain. I am a geologist for Pete's sakes. So I'm used to climbing mountains and playing in rocks. I'll walk down. Oh. If you had a warning <laughs> label, if you had a warning label, what would it be? <laughs> Caution contents under pressure. <laughs> Do not open emergency relief valve below the nose. Will not stop. Who knows you best? I'd have to say my wife. My wife and I don't. She she knows every kind of dirty little dark secret about me and and still agreed to marry me and is still here. So that tells you how sick and disturbed she is. Um oh, but yeah, I would say, you know, my wife probably is the one person on this planet that really kind of knows me the best. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your favorite subject at school? <laughs> oh, history. I loved history. Okay. But honestly, art, I really. No, art was mine. See, I loved all of school. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I loved being at school. I enjoyed learning. Um, uh, it, I always felt bad because school was, it was, I don't want to say it was easy for me, but it was definitely easier for me than most people. Um, oh, you're one and, of them. Yeah, I was one of those a-holes that didn't have to come to school and still got straight A's. Um, and that, and, and uh, but yeah, I enjoyed all the classes. I mean, the, the worst classes for me were art and music because my brain just doesn't work that way. And it's funny because I love music. I love listening to it. I love dissecting it. I love listening to the lyrics and the and the music in the background, the melody. But can't play an instrument, can't sing a song, can't dance, no rhythm. It's just I I, I used to curse God on a daily basis about why would you give me so much love and passion for music and no ability to create it ever. So <laughs> oh, art but, was my favorite. I spent all my time in the art room. Nice. What was your favorite medium to use? Well, I you strike me as a clay type of person. Yeah, no. No, not in the I, sculpting. I have, I have done pottery. Sculpting, yes, but probably not. Not so. I, I did sculpt, and I made this. Created the female form out of nice. chicken wire. Um. I really, really enjoyed doing that. Um, paint, I love painting. I love painting. Um, I don't work well with watercolours. I'm very much an acrylic person and more I'm not much of a realist. <laughs> more of an abstract on. Picasso type. <laughs> Picasso, yeah. Jack the, just, Jack it's, the it's, Dripper. It's the emotion. It's It's, you know. I, I pull out emotion mm-hmm. from things. So it's, you know, it's not just, yes, that's a pretty scene of a landscape or something. Well, I see something else in it. And so I I bring that out into whatever I do. See, that, I'm the same way except and for photography. writing. Oh, I love photography. Mm. I do too. I Yeah, I went and spent a lot of money on a camera that I don't know how to use um, <laughs> because I love, I, I love taking pictures and, you know, 
And that was even before I really got into paleontology. Even I loved pictures. I loved driving around even just Wisconsin and taking pictures of, you know, the natural world around me and, and things that most people wouldn't even stop and take a second look at. Yes. That's yeah. That's me. I see. I just see things a little bit differently. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're supposed to, I mean, if, no. if we all saw everything, if we all saw the same thing the same way, it would be an absolutely boring, disgusting world that I would not want to be a part of. Agree. Agree. So see, in my creative outlet is writing. I, I, I like to write. Um, well, like that other thing I sent you the other day, I just yes. literally, I don't know why I just felt like writing. So I just started writing. I don't know what the hell I was writing. Yeah. I, I like writing as well, but I don't do it very often. And I want to write a book, but I don't know what my book should be about yet. So it just hasn't started. And I, I don't I have much time yet. I was instructed by my last English professor and my children that I need to write a book about my life and all the crazy stuff I've done and all the places do I've it. been. And I've started. I actually wrote the awesome. dust jacket to start with already. And um, But it's, again, finding time to sit down and write. And, um, Half hour a day. <laughs> you're adorable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> half hour a day. <laughs> Although I did make three hours today for you. So, you know, I suppose I could manufacture a half hour for, you know, writing. Yeah, she's looking around going, wait a minute, three hours? Is that really I'm what just, I spent? No, I'm actually looking at the time thinking, well, I did actually only put it down for two hours, didn't I? But we're past that. <laughs> oh, I've, I told you at the beginning, I don't care. What was your favorite childhood memory? Oh, favorite childhood memory. Mm. Define childhood. When does that stop? Because I was like, I, I was like a man child. I was in my thirties. <laughs> I, I was a man child. I was in my well into my thirties, maybe even forties. Um, <laughs> um, hmm. We can skip that if it's too hard. No, I, I, the problem is I have a lot of really cool memories. You know, uh, my dad was a microbiologist uh, for the state of Wisconsin and had his own lab about three blocks from our house. And uh, he would let me come up and play in his lab and we would, you know, do things we shouldn't do, like break open a mercury thermometer into a pan and look at how the mercury would roll around. Um, you know, we'd make rotten egg gas by mixing sulfuric acid and lead shavings or... Um, you know, so it was just a lot of fun that we got to play. And I laughed because my mother just reminded me of this, like last week when I had stopped to visit him for a little bit. She goes, do you remember when you were a kid and you would go to your dad's office and all you would do is sit on the lab and look at all his books of maps he had? And she goes, now, don't you think it's a little ironic that you make maps wow. now? And I'm like, you know, I never even thought about it. It's absolutely true. Yeah. I would sit okay. there for hours looking at maps of everywhere. I didn't care mm -hmm. where it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I just found them fascinating. I don't know why. And now it, it is. It's completely ironic now that and that you know my life's kind of made a full circle from when my nine-year-old self to now is now instead of looking at maps, I'm making them. Yeah, that's cool. And that's cool. It is. It was. Uh, my mom had to remind me of that because I forgot mm. all about it. Mm. All right. Favorite food. Ooh. Is it chocolate? No. Mm. Scallops. <laughs> Oh, oh, I keep thinking of scallops in my head right now. You pounded it in there. Um, I'm like you, though. I love a good steak. Uh, I'm a big fan of the filet mignon. Uh, give me a, a nice tenderloin wrapped in bacon with some scallops oh. with it. 
Oh. Put a little uh, brown gravy on it, some really good um, mashed potatoes with it with a real gravy, some mushrooms, maybe some grilled asparagus wrapped in bacon, and yeah, I'm good. Yeah, let's go to dinner. Oh, so nice. <laughs> We're going to dinner. Sweetheart, I'm going to Australia for dinner. I'll leave <laughs> sometimes. I don't even think I'd get there by dinner if I left right now. Uh, no. See if, if I had the damn teleportation superpower, I'd be there. I know, I know. Mind you, it's only, lu- it's only lunchtime here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 7.30 at night here. Um, favorite drink? Hmm. Let's see here. Boy, it really depends because, like, right now in the winter, my favorite drink is a nice hot cup of coffee because it's freaking cold here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, literally, it's... Oh, it's not even telling me on my phone. It's so cold, my phone can't even tell me what temperature it is outside. Um, four degrees here right now, Fahrenheit. Um, so, uh, cough. Fahrenheit. Yeah, Google it on there and see what I'm the conversion Googling. is. <laughs> Minus 15. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. that's just ridiculous. And that. And the sad thing is, is that's the warm temperature for today. Um, mm. It's actually gotten warmer through the day. Um, yeah, we had 30, 40 mile an hour winds last night, wind chills in the negative 30 degree Fahrenheit range. It was it was brutal. Um, so in the winter, I really like a hot cup of coffee. Uh, in the summer, um, I really like a nice uh, iced tea or a lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um, also a big fan of Bloody Marys. Uh, I love Bloody Marys. Um can pretty much drink those all day and I'd be fine with that. Just don't do a lot of digging if you're drinking a lot of Bloody Marys. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I use it as motivation when we're out there. As I tell them I hit a margarita machine in the hill somewhere. If you keep digging, you'll keep finding <laughs> it. You're going to have one. Um, because there are. There's days where we're out there. Like last year, I think the hottest day was 136 degrees and we were out there digging. So, yeah, a nice frozen margarita machine. That's 57 degrees Celsius. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's hot. And and in 10 years, I've only gotten sick on the dig site once, and that was last year. Um, I, I actually, I never had to leave a dig site early, but I was uh, so dehydrated and sick. I actually left the dig site at one o'clock uh, in the afternoon and drove myself back. And so. What's your pet peeve? Hmm. I have so many. Um. See, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is people who piss and moan about how they the, they just like to piss and moan for the sake of pissing and moaning. They don't really have a purpose. They really don't have an actual complaint. They just want to piss and moan and bitch about something. Um, and then when you confront them about it, going, okay, well, if you don't like it, do something about fixing it. They're like, well, I don't want to fix it. Well, then quit pissing and moaning about it. So that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves, that and people that don't know how to use their blinkers on their cars. (laughs) 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 Well, you guys drive on the wrong side of the road, don't you? No, no, no. You guys drive on the wrong side of the road. No, pretty sure we drive on the right side of the road. That's why it's called the right. (laughs) Okay. It's literally called the right side of the road because it's on the right side. But we can discuss that later. You You got me that there. You got me there. Oh, geez. Win the lottery or the perfect job? Oh, the perfect job. I think if you had the perfect job, it is like winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. At least for me. I, it, mm. 
Although winning the lottery, I'd be able to do a lot more work with the foundation quicker. If I won the lottery, I wouldn't have to work. <laughs> oh, I'd still work. I'd still go dig dinosaurs all day. Oh, yeah. Because that's just fun. You wouldn't have to go and have a proper job. You could go and no. do whatever you wanted to do. Anyway, yeah. biggest, biggest fear. Biggest <laughs> fear. Um, <laughs> apparently chairlifts in Tennessee. I don't know. <laughs> um, Apparently so. <laughs> it's pretty close. Um, actually, here's a fun one for all you spatial surveyors out there to build bridges. I am absolutely, utterly terrified of bridges over water. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm terrified the bridge is going to go and I'm going to drown because the, the idea of drowning is like the worst death I can possibly imagine. You know, just drowning to death, just struggling for air and just, and so, yeah. Yeah, bridges over water are slightly terrifying to me until I drive over them like 40 or 50 times and I start getting a little more comfortable with them. But there's one out in South Dakota I drive over. It's absolutely terrifying. It's between two giant mountains that goes over the top of the Missouri River. And yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, you can see it for six miles before you get to it. It's just, oh, nope, I'm good. But I get across it somehow. <laughs> How about you? Fancy, fancy that, huh? Yeah, I I haven't died in a bridge yet. So, thank you, surveyors, for making uh, sure those were all straight and level, and you know I could you know survive getting across the bridge. See, are you a morning or night person? Both. Both. I'm not an afternoon person. I wake up in the morning, um, five thirty, six six thirty in the morning, and I wake up. I'm immediately let's go. Let's get stuff done. Um, and I'll work hard till about one o'clock in the afternoon. Then I'll take a nap till about three okay. <laughs> and then I get up and then I get up and it's, you know, give her hell till, I don't know. I mean, you've seen me, I've been messaging you at oh, midnight no. my time. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, mm. I, I, I'm kind of both. Mm. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> oh, I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure most of Australia is aware of that as well, but you know, I know most of North America is. Can't I talk about it all the time? <laughs> Wait, don't get hurt in the morning. Holy crap! Okay, I'm... I just need time to wake up. That's all. That's all. No, uh, I'm usually pretty much wide awake by the time my feet hit the floor out of bed, and I'm ready to go. No, no, no. My biggest struggle in the morning is my coffee pot is extremely slow. And I just want to go buy a new coffee pot. But my wife is just like, it works now. It's fine. No, you don't understand. Because you can literally come down. If I come down at like 6 in the morning, put 12 cups of water in, put the scoops of coffee, turn it on, it maybe will have brewed all 12 cups by 7 o'clock. It takes like an hour. And it's just, it's too long for me. It makes me hostile to the point I, I'll go and drive and pick up a coffee from Starbucks or something and come back and have that drink by the time the cup, <laughs> pot of coffee is ready. <laughs> <laughs> so proudest moment or moment this moment i don't know if it's happened yet um i mean there's some moments i'm hoping for that i'd be really proud of um i mean i'm proud of what i've done so far with the foundation and yeah and um you know I, i'm really proud of how uh how well my kids are doing with everything that's going on with them with the pandemic and education and and um, so I'm really proud of them. And I understand, yeah. Yeah, that's probably 
those couple things right there is what I'm really proud of right now. Cool. On a scale of one to ten, how Uh-oh. cool are you? How cool am I? Well, it's four degrees here, so I'm like a 10. I'm freaking frozen right now. (laughs) I literally have a space heater under my desk running right now. Um, I don't know. How cool am I? My kids would say I'm like a 1. My wife would say I'm a 10. Um, They're both delusional, so I'm probably somewhere around a (laughs) 6. Dream car. What's your dream car? Oh, dream car, 1969 Chevy Camaro SS, all numbers matching. Oh, original. Nice. I, I've had a few Camaros in my life already. I've had the newer ones. Um, no, I like the uh, old ones. Um, yeah, I really like the older ones. So mm. that would be my dream car. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. How about you? Oh, me? Um, I, I have a few cars. I like the older cars. I like I like the old American muscle type, you know, I like the Camaro, the Mustangs, the old Mustangs. Um, I love my I used to have a little Datsun 1600. Nice. It's a what 520, I think they're called over there. Yeah, I crashed that. Wish I had it still now. So you're um, a bad driver. No. <laughs> no. I'm not. Don't blame it on don't blame it on the road engineers that they built a bad road. That's your whole no, audience. No, no, I'll don't blame it that. on the taxi driver who stopped in the middle oh. of the road and didn't put his blinker on to turn into a driveway. Told you them damn blinkers. I know. Use the blinkers. I, I heard you. I heard you. So yeah, so that that uh, that kind of totaled my sixteen hundred. So yeah, I don't know. I always like the Aston Martins. They're nice. Yes. I got a few. I got a few. My favorite color, um, blue. I, I, I'm partial to blue, uh, but I'm also really partial to green and gold because the Packers are the best team in the world. <laughs> are you are you Apple or Android? Uh, Android. Uh, my family doesn't. We don't know. Samsung's all the way. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I got the. I actually picked up the new Z Fold one that opens up. Oh, cool. Yeah, my friends got yeah. one like that. <clears throat> Bad choice for me. It really was. Don't recommend it if you are outdoors working in dirt. Oh, yeah. Okay. Dirt gets in the hinges and it's, mm-hmm. yeah, not it's not good. good. Not good. What's your star sign? Leo. Oh, you're a Leo. I am. I'm a lion. I'm the king Ooh. of the jungle. Don't you forget it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What are you? You're like a Sagittarius, aren't you? No. No? I'm an Aquarius. Oh, it's the age of the Aquarius. It's a good song. Age of Aquarius. Yes. I actually, we're recording this on the 20th of January. And my birthday is on the 22nd of January. That's technically the 19th here, so. No, <clears throat> yes. No. I'm re- I am recording on the 20th of January. I don't know. You're recording on the 19th of January. <laughs> In my time. <laughs> you freaking oh, Americans. Sorry. Didn't realize everything was on Peter time. Jeez. It is. Oh, you've got a lot to learn. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Start this process now. Stupid Tom. Everything's on Peter time. Got it. 
Please don't Tom, hit me anymore. Tom, it's um, all about me, okay? It, it is. <laughs> it, well, it says so right on the name of the show. I don't look. Your I name's right there on the show. It's there. It's there. It does not say the Tom show, which it should because it would be funny as hell. But, um, oh. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, well, now I have to send you something from Wisconsin for your birthday. <laughs> your, your birthday is the 22nd? Yes. All right. Can I guess a year? Yes, go. I have no 75. Idea. No. No? Close, close. 76. Bum, bum. Am I going the wrong way? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, well, then we'll <laughs> stop there. You look good. That's you okay. look good for your age. <laughs> I haven't reached 5 0 yet. I, I'm, I'm encroaching on the 5 0 myself quickly. Uh, I'm a 73 baby. I, I am 76. So. Oh. oh, you're a sweet yeah. chicken. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, a wee pop. <laughs> wet, I'm wet behind the ears still. Uh, so, uh, and it's funny because my kids tell me I'm older than dinosaur shit. And I said, that's not true. I dig that up and I know how old that is. And then I look at my dad and go, Dad, can you date this fossil for me? You were there when it was, you know, oh. alive. That's just mean. And then my dad will say something smart ass like, yeah, I loved it. T-Rex tasted a lot like bald eagle. <laughs> okay. So I can see where the humor comes from then in the family. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not my mother. Oh. My mother is a very, very rigid and, and very controlled individual, always in charge and always in control of her world. Um, mm. And an amazing woman to deal with my father because he is a handful. <laughs> so... Too funny. Too funny. Yeah, I actually took them out digging once. Oh, really? Yeah, I took them both out. I think the third year I was out there was uh, Emma and I and my mom and dad went out there. And to this day, my father still reminds me that he holds the record in the family for the largest T-Rex tooth found. So he found one that was almost six inches. So So he reminds me, he's like, ha ha, you do this for a living and dig all the time. I went for one day. (laughs) Oh my God. Let's just stop it here. Thank you so much for coming on today. <laughs> Tell me, give me your one. I never had anybody tap out on their own, their own <laughs> show. T- their I'm own show. Up. Like, I'm done. Shut I'm it off. We're done. I'm, I'm tapping. Give me your LinkedIn, your Instagram, Facebook pages. What are they? Sprout yourself. Get it out there so I can stop I this recording. I think that. <laughs> I will put everything in the show notes. You can find Tom on Facebook at Earth Sciences Foundation. You can find yep. Tom Hebert on LinkedIn. Tom, I think, yeah, I think it's Thomas Hebert actually. Oh, t- sorry. Let me look, I, let me look. I'll pull it up on my 70 inch plasma TV. That's my computer what? monitor. <laughs> um, home. Yes, it is. Thomas. Yes, it's under it it's is Thomas, Thomas Hebert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's the same on LinkedIn. Uh, yes. Same on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find it under the Earth Sciences Foundation, Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram, uh, I'm just getting that started. Uh, I'm learning that whole platform. Uh, it's at Let's Dig uh, is the moniker or whatever for Instagram. Uh, Your Instagram handle is Let's Dig. <laughs> the, she just said it. I don't have to do it. You're hired. Um, oh, great. Thanks. Uh, 
the website, letsdig.org, as well as you can actually uh, go under Earth Sciences Foundation, Inks.com, or no, EarthSciencesFoundation.com, EarthSciencesFoundation.org, and letsdig.org will all take you to the same website. Um, so, um, well, yeah, and, and honestly, anyone who's listening, if you are truly interested or want to know more, uh, if they you can get a hold of PETA. Yeah, they might have tapped out too. Um, <laughs> for those three brave souls that are still left listening, um, if you need, if you want to get a hold of me, you can absolutely reach out to PETA. She yes, will of course. absolutely help direct you. Um, I love any questions or anything at any time. Um, and uh, thank you, Peter, so much. I truly appreciate it. It's been an absolute riot. Um, we will have to do this again where we talk about nothing but whatever the hell comes out of our mouths. <laughs> we can Wait, do that. that's what we did this time. That's what we just said this time. Never mind. Oh, no, no, no. We, we talk did, science. And... We did talk a few, a few things. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we, we threw a little science in there and yeah. spatial technologies yeah. and, you know, Pretty soon we'll talk about cool stuff like XRF and chemical signatures. And Oh, whoops, I better stop talking now. Until I prove it we'll, works. We will talk about that later. Thank you. Thank you, dear. You have a good night. And then, um, uh, yeah, just thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, so much fun talking to you. And uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Tom. Stay tuned in a fortnight when I speak to Tom Casey. Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox.